congratulations on unlocking the miserable podcast of secrets episode 14 presented by the next level and the tnl forums you can find us there 24 hours a day 366 days a leap year and there's always an interesting discussion going on if you don't believe me just head on over there yourself search for the next level to get started or input the address directly you can go to www.the-nextlevel.com and the forums link is at the top this week we'll be discussing, uh, talking mainly about some of the print and online video game magazines that we've grown up with. Um, we're not going to go for a comprehensive list, of course. We're just going to talk about some of the ones that come to mind, and maybe we'll go into greater detail in a future episode. But we're just going to kind of shoot the shit here today. Uh, now, introducing on the on the near right, we have Eric Manch, known as Sleeve on the TNL forums. Hey, everybody! How's it going? Hello, Eric. Uh, to the far right, we have um, Jonathan Hurtado, known as Cow Disease. What's up, Internet? To the near left, we have Bob himself, or Bebob, uh, Corey Coleman. Hey, guys. Just when you thought you got rid of me, yes. I'm back again. Fuck. It's because we still don't know how to pronounce your usernames. We still don't know what he's good for. We're trying to find out. He's back by popular demand. You have that air of mystery about you, so we, we just true. keep going on dates with you till we get what we want. And to the far left, I guess he was once Sushi X, and now he is simply Mizzo. What? Well, Commander <laughs> Shepard, this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. <laughs> All right, so I thought we would just go over some of the some of the seminal publications, or maybe we should save that for another podcast. Just yes. some of the some of the things that we used to read back when we were well, I guess we're all different ages, but when we were. Impressionable, Impre- more impressionable. Of course, back in the you know pre NES days, there were different magazines like uh, what was it, Joystick and uh, Computer Games Monthly or whatever it was. But we're gonna, yeah, we're pretty Never much gonna start. Don't care. Pretty much gonna start with the NES era, I think, and uh, maybe with Nintendo Power, which. Uh, originally started as the Nintendo Fun Club News, which we discussed uh, on an earlier podcast. Did anybody su- get a subscription to that? Not the not the News Club, but definitely the uh, the magazine. I think I saw an ad for it when I bought some game or other. I think as we discussed on an earlier edition of the podcast, I was once featured in the Nintendo Fun Club News. Oh boy! Oh, so many years ago. At one point, believe it or not, Nintendo was had kind of a little family underdog feel to it. You know, video games crashed and burned at some point, and and then Nintendo kind of brought it back to the forefront. And you would get this little newsletter from them. At first, I think the first couple of issues were, were these little modest, you know, six page, four color things that would tell you. About Mario and uh, who is that guy Howard or Howard Phillips? Howard Phillips. Or, yeah. The, yeah, Howard Phillips. Yeah, he was like the face of Nintendo, kind of like Major Nelson was for Xbox 360. Except he had a fucking bow tie and he was rad. Yeah, and he had a and he, he had, had a, a he had a friend named Nestor. drawn version of him. Yes, he had a comic strip. Well, version. Did the Howard friend. and Nestor stuff start with the newsletter or did it start with Nintendo Power? Um, I think it started with the newsletter. It started with the newsletter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there were little comics that ran. Yeah, he drew his. Uh, As I remember, he drew himself. I believe. Howard did he? Because I was going to ask who draws them. Because the, the the first few were so good. That might be misinformation, but yeah, I hope I, so. I don't you know, know what? <laughs> He's like Bill Brasky. He just does everything. That's Howard Phillips. 
And then they started making it look more like a traditional magazine. I remember, I think Link was on the first cover when it started to look more like a, you know, a colorful thing you would be excited to get. And then they started charging you for it when it became Nintendo Power. I think there were seven issues or eight issues of the Fun Club newsletter. And then we got the magazine we know today. Anybody uh, have a subscription to Nintendo Power? I certainly did. I got mine in 1990 with my free Dragon Warrior. Yeah, Dragon Warrior for free. Same here. I think I was a charter member or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think my my uh, my Fun Club subscription sort of graduated into like a Nintendo Power subscription. And then they told me I had to pay more money in order to continue the subscription and get the whole Nintendo Power package. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I was just bought random epi- issues until, well, yeah, the Dragon Warrior deal. That was the easiest... Easiest time convincing my mom to get a, a subscription to a magazine ever. It's like, oh yeah, I get a free game. You don't have to pay for a game. When I was a kid, I thought it was the most boring game ever made by man. I was like, this is the worst thing that's I've ever played, but I later grew and to love it. And now you play pure shit. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, the original Dragon Warrior is so good. I like it a lot better than I like the first Final Fantasy, to be honest. But whatever. It's obviously a pretty good magazine if it could convince you to buy you know, the original Dragon Warrior. Well, this was a perfect situation for Nintendo because it was, you know, it was their official mouthpiece. They published the thing for, uh, I don't know how long, for like 20 years that they oh, actually yeah. published it. They controlled it. They had controlled every aspect of it. And, um, it was cool. It wasn't, it wasn't laden down with ads. It had a lot of good tips in it. I never subscribed to it, but, and I, I would what? probably just read it in the store from so time to time. So what you're saying is it was a benevolent dictatorship. Well, no, no. See, I think there were some shady dealings going on in the background that we were never oh, exposed definitely. to because we were so young. It was, uh, I thought that Nintendo Power featured exclusively the best games. You know, like I thought that they picked and chose between all the dreck that came out for the Nintendo and they featured the best games, but that's not the case. No, no, they had Total Recall in one of the issues. So I tried to that, get you to buy that, that Ouija board game that, uh, that Rare made. Taboo. Or, oh, Taboo, yeah. Taboo. But it was, yeah, it, it wasn't the case of them picking the best games. It was like these are the games that they want to sell to you for whatever reason, whether uh, they got money. It's from like the- when Game Go had Stretch Panic on the cover, but we'll talk about oh, that a little wow. bit later. That's, yeah, we'll get to that later. But like the Japanese soundtrack, the Sonic CD thing, like that. It was blatant advertising. It was just a f- magazine of advertising we were paying for. But Th- that's the thing. You know there what? weren't a lot of I ads in it, it but you could you could see the editorial as being a kind of ad. You know what was good about it that the magazines are, are completely missing or were completely missing after a while was including full maps of like the game. Mm. It was oh, basically was a nice, giant yeah. guide for the game that you were you know like I, I don't know if they picked one or two big games a month, but they would just tell you everything about the game, and it's like that was the only way you could figure out anything in these, like, obtuse-ass fucking ancient games. Yeah, because it was a big media blackout in those days, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you couldn't... You had to ask your friends in order to, you know, get info on how to get past the next level. I mean, What I would do is I would call the Nintendo... The Nintendo Hotline, which was one of the... Were you rich? It was one of the coolest things of all time up to that point, at least in my estimation, because you would get stuck like Athena, the last boss of Athena... If you don't have a particular weapon, I think it's impossible or it's almost impossible. And we were stuck on that and we could only, we only played it at somebody else. My friend and I used to go to somebody else's house. He was actually an older guy around 35 or 40 and he had an NES, but it, it was, it was fine. It wasn't anything creepy because my friend was dating his niece. So they all lived there, but we would go there and, and, and every day we would try to beat Athena and you work our way all the way up there and then we couldn't do it. 
So you just get on the line, you call, you know, uh, Redmond, Washington, or wherever they were. I had the, I had the, uh, phone number kind of hardwired into my fingers. I would just, on a rotary or a push button, I, I could Parents get it right away. Me, huh? Yeah. See, I couldn't make long distance phone calls that, that would never, never fly with the parents. So never get to yeah, call. Phones them were not as convenient as they are now back in the day. <laughs> let me tell you. You had to pay money to guy long distance. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, it wasn't just long distance. It was also a pay. F- it was a pay like hot hotline. Was originally it? Like originally it was line? just a long distance. Originally, really? yeah, for a while, for a while. That's pretty impressive. Okay, I didn't know that. And then you had to, yeah, you had to sneak behind your mom's back to make the call, and then you would get the angry, get the angry summoning a couple weeks later when get, the phone bill came in. They saw the, uh, you know, twenty dollar charge, the Nintendo hotline. I think I think they had a couple of different numbers. I remember one of them was um uh 206-885-7529. Wow. wow. I think that's one I wonder sp- who has that number now. Somebody call that right now. And then the other one was that there was like a 40 something number that's on actually on the bottom of the NES. That would be the number to call initially. You could just call there was like the central Nintendo number and then it would say if you have questions about your NES system press 1 and then one of the options was if you have problems with the, with your games if you want gameplay tips press what six or whatever and you could talk to people whose job it was to sit there and talk to kids across the country and tell them how to pass levels in mario games and konami games amazing it was pretty crazy i that was that was it was a crazy idea from nintendo and i can't believe they did it and it was great and it, it went on for a while and then in the nintendo power there was a counselor's corner where those same people would answer um, questions that I guess either were popular that they got a lot or, um, that they were, people wrote in, especially for the magazine. But the first issue of Nintendo Power had a lot of the basic stuff, like the Konami 30 dudes code uh, for Contra and all, all oh, of the, the better names. How are you pronouncing Konami again? Konami, Konami. Konami? Konami? Konami. Sausage. I'm from Chicago. You know, we got an accent. But, uh, I wasn't a f- yeah, and those guys were superstars, man. Those counselors. Yeah, I wonder where they are now. I remember one time I uh, I had called the hotline and I was playing. Uh, was it uh, Shinobi, which is on the NES, and it was uh, one of those. That's pronounced Shinobi. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I didn't know at the time that that was a uh, an unli- unlicensed game, so I go call up because I. I think I got up to like the helicopter boss and I couldn't beat him, so I called the hotline. It's like, yeah, how do I get past this boss? And he goes, uh, sorry, but that's not an official game, so we can't. Yeah, sorry, it. kid, go screw. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so I was was pretty disappointed. Yeah, if you called in and you asked for a tip on the ten on the uh, ten gen version of Tetris, they actually sent armed thugs to your house. They would keep you on hold nice. and then <laughs> not authorized. It's like the beginning of System Shock when you're trying to hack in. I called once for the uninvited, and the guy told me how to get past. Was it the Fat Tomato Monster in the in the garden maze? That's I what I call what you. I mean, look, looking through this old Nintendo Power, though, I mean, one thing I really liked about Nintendo Power was the artwork. They used to get a lot of the the official game art, and it was just all over the magazines, and it looked really cool. Yeah, Nintendo is known for just uh, putting a lot of care into things, so they they did that right. By the time the Genesis came out, I. I didn't like Nintendo as much, so I, you know, by that time I had moved on to some of the magazines we'll call now, we'll uh, talk about now. But uh, Nintendo did a pretty good job, and it's still being published. It's it's out there, and I don't know anybody who buys it now. Kids probably. 
it's made for kids. And yeah, I'm sure they do. I love this and I remember this issue, this the one with uh, Super Mario Brothers two and like these enormous pictures of all the power ups. And I remember this issue came out just before the game had actually been right released. Before, yeah. Yeah, so I was looking at this like like holy crap, look look at all these Amazing power-ups that you can get in this game. There's four different characters. It's going to be amazing. I remember reading that magazine on the school bus over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, that is it's a kind of porn for a certain age group. It's just something you want so bad. And at, and that at that time... You couldn't see that stuff everywhere. It was almost underground to, to you know to the. This exactly analog to porn, by the way, in every way. <laughs> it really is. No, I would I would run to the store and, and it's everywhere I, now. I, I mean, I spent all my allowance on calling the Nintendo hotline, so I couldn't afford the magazines. But <clears throat> I would read the magazines at the store, um, the Nintendo Powers. And I'm sure a lot of people had the same experience. Your eyes were just wide, and you you looked at the maps, you looked at everything that was coming on, and it just was really stimulating. It's a great time to 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 be a gamer. I find it hard to get that excited these days about anything. The internet has ruined this feeling of wow, check out this cool stuff in the magazine. It, it might just be the constant constant information from all sides, you know, at all times that I I almost you're almost entitled to it at this point. When before it would be leaked through you on a monthly basis. Once a month you would receive news Quarter about man. games. That's ridiculous. Whatever Nintendo wanted to tell you about once a month. And then uh, another magazine that was kind of really targeted towards the 8 to 10 year old demographic was GamePro, which almost uh, made it to the present day. It just ceased production, I think, in the last couple of months, didn't it? Yes, yeah, recent. Was, was the first GamePro the one that had like all those all those uh, video gamey figures jumping out of the cover, including some football dude right in the center, and then I had a, an article on the upcoming Mario Brothers 3? That's the first one I remember. No, I don't think that was the first GamePro. Game Pro. But even back in the day, I remember I remember GamePro started out as being inferior to the other magazines I liked, like Electronic Gaming Monthly, but um, I guess they later redeemed themselves. They didn't come out at the same time, did they? I don't know what the timeline is for these. Yeah, they they came on without a few months of each other. Electronic Gaming Monthly came out first, but there was a predecessor to Electronic Gaming Monthly. It started out as a different magazine, I think called Electronic Gaming Players. It was Electronic Game Players. It was released yeah. by Toys R Us. Yeah, actually, yeah. I used oh, wow. to have a few issues of those. Yeah, it was actually just uh, Toys R Us handing out the magazine with purchases in store. Did you buy yeah, it with I think, money? And I think that started out in 87. I believe. But yeah, the real magazine got going in 89. Well, they had a different tone to them. Like, EGM was more teenagers, I, th- I felt. Well, I think it was more professional, Game Pro, I Game Pro Early was... it wasn't. It, later it became that. Well, okay. also, EGM was also the official magazine of the U.S. video game players team. Billy yes, Mitchell? Let's not forget that. Billy Mitchell, yes. <laughs> Billy Steve Mitchell Sanders? Was, I believe was, was on that team. Oh, God. I think we all know about that. Were you part of that group, Eric? Maurizio, you're I, I right. I was not. Issue was one not. was the was the football ha. guy coming out of the cover. You were right. I remember. I remember it. You get this week's bonus money. But yeah, GamePro. Uh, I always looked down a little because it had the you know cartoony. It's Scary Larry and Scary Larry. The... Everyone remembers Scary oh, Larry. Oh, Scary Larry. That's the only one. No one remembers S- anyone Slasher else. Slasher Quan. I remember they had that big uh, episode or that big issue where. Scary Larry was defending Mortal Kombat, and Slasher Quan was defending Street Fighter Two, and they had that big article about which was better and why. That's a horrible article. There should be no discussion <laughs> regarding that whatsoever. Well, 
Yeah, those of us in the in the know knew that you know Mortal Kombat couldn't hold a candle to Street Fighter Two, but we also know that GamePro couldn't hold a candle to uh, <laughs> EGM. I mean, it was a real contentious debate. I mean, yeah, it, it was. I mean, you know, Mortal was... Kombat was always about the show. It was always about the showmanship, and I, I would go to the arcade and I would watch people play, and it was amazing. You know, like it really was just at the time, uh, maybe not shocking, but different and pretty impressive. That was the thing. You wanted to go watch Mortal Kombat. You actually wanted to play Street Fighter. Right. Yeah, they're... I don't know. I guess one is like cartoony and Americans are all like, oh, I don't like gay cartoons, and they want to play the real people. They're sitting there playing Pit Fighter. Well, that was the attitude. Like, this is when... You have to remember, this is that when still is CD... The when CD me? video... Like, those full motion video games were popular, too. Right, like, play the movie... You better not talk bad about Dracula Unleashed, because I enjoyed that. I barely remember that game. I don't even know what that is, so... Sega CD. It's all about Double Switch, actually. I mean... Uh, Sewer Shark. Yeah, it begins and ends oh, with Su- yeah, Sewer, Sewer Shark. Sewer Shark, Five o'clock. Okay. But anyway, getting back to Street Fighter, the, uh, the the thing I liked most about GamePro was they put out this amazing shrine to Street Fighter in the form of a strategy guide. It had... It had frame. It, <laughs> it is had, amazing. I'll say that <laughs> it had every move in there illustrated by a picture. So the standing um, roundhouse and and all that. You know, there would be pictures of each of those moves plus a percentage of damage it did. It gave you all the information you needed. It had strategies. If you're this player playing this player, do this. And it was nine ninety five. And I protected that so much. I loved that issue, and I couldn't believe that a crappy magazine like GamePro put it out but i would i read GamePro a lot more than nintendo power well, you know this this issue that you provided us nick of GamePro has got a really cool article about elevator action 2 i just want to mention that which um it's got some really great um what? screenshots elevator of it elevator like, action 2 elevator action 2 yeah i like i don't think i've ever actually played Wait, this Returns? game is that is that elevator, no, action elevator Returns for the saturn it, what what is 2 this the title of this article is hot at the arcade, so apparently it was what? the arcades and at the time. So I have never seen this. Do in you my have life. to leave? What is this? Check this out. Do we have to go emulate it now? It's got kind of like a punk look, like the first level of it. Apparently, like all right, all right, calm down. About elevator Somebody give me a copy. It's in the slum, and there's graffiti all all everywhere. I'm sure so you like... ride elevators and you shoot people, and it's very exciting. <laughs> it has oh, a lot of check this out. It looks great. It's and you on go page into a door 16. and you get some points for it. Is that what happens? Yeah, the game, bro. August 1995 issue. It's called a Game Bro. That sounds awesome. Game Bro talking game about bro, the elevator man. action. The Game Bro sounds like a like a really bad podcast. Hey, welcome to the Game Bros. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh man, I gotta I gotta check this game out. I like I gravitated more towards EGM. Uh, so uh, I mean, I do remember the characters, and everyone on the internet knows about pro tips. Yeah, pro tip to this day is still used as a, on the internet. People say when they want to be snarky about something, they say only pro because tip. only because of that Doom pro tip. You guys remember that one, right? Like you know that one. Which the one was the Doom? Doom one? It was the, Which the one? shoot the enemy. Like it was the was it the it was that dude with the uh, with the rocket launchers for arms. What was his name? Cyber Demon. Yeah, Cyber Demon. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and the description was to shoot him until he dies. Like that was literally what they said was to shoot this guy until he dies. Like that was the pro tip. So, of course, people made fun of that shit, and they still do. There, and they there were a lot of those. A lot of the pro tips were just this obvious, blatant shit. It was usually stuff right out of the booklet. That one was worse than the usual one, but uh, mainly there were 
pro tips right out of the booklet. So they were not really pro tips. They were kind of kind of like common sense tips or <laughs> well, no this, shit. This elevator action two uh, preview has uh, pro <laughs> tips. Christ, <laughs> save the bombs until two. you really need them. So think about that. Yeah, that's a good tip. What was the pro tip on Eric? Save on the, the bombs until you really need them. Oh, that could apply to almost any, sh- any yeah, shooting game. That applies game. to every arcade game ever made. Yeah. I will say yeah, Game Pro well. was good because Nintendo was, of course, extremely family-friendly, Nintendo Power, but Game Pro was a family-friendly magazine that covered all, all the systems and covered the arcades. When we get into some of these other magazines, like EGM had a guy on a toilet with, uh, like, Rumble Rose's... Uh, you know, the female wrestling game, implying that he was masturbating to the game. And it, it had all this, you know, there's all My this word. adult stuff. What? And, yeah. And then, of course, Game Fan had that anti-Japanese rant or whatever they had later. But Game Pro was always safe. You could buy it for, if you're an adult, you could buy it for your little kid. And they would they could look at all the beautiful pictures and the, the exploding head uh, review scale. And uh, that's when games were innocent. Well, yeah. I was successfully indoctrinated by Nintendo, so I sat there patiently waiting for the Super Nintendo to come out. I didn't care even in the tiniest bit about any other system for a long time. Probably until the PlayStation came out. That was the first time I was like, Nintendo can make mistakes. Nintendo has made a bad decision. And you've never stopped saying that since. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's true, though. <laughs> it was the exact moment where my faith You're in Nintendo completely broke. you just all that Nintendo propaganda, Mizzo. I did. I really did. Hook, line, and sinker. But I mean, back then, that's what the, you know why? I think it was partially because of the advertising, because Nintendo would be like, look at our games. Our games are cool. And then Sega would come on, they're like, fuck Nintendo. And like the whole ad campaign was just making fun of Nintendo, like nonstop. And I didn't like that. I was like, that's not, that's not cool, Sega. I like Nintendo. What a weenie you are. And I mean, there's always like the, the other, like the Neo Geo and all the other, like super. Turbo graphics. Turbo graphics. Those were so niche. Back then, I mean, now I buy almost everything that comes out because I, I make money and I can do it. But when I was like, when you're a kid, yeah. you have to beg for even the tiniest concessions. And, and you're not going to have a fucking Neo Geo when you're a kid. Get the hell out of here. That thing was like $800. We used to go to Gamer's Paradise and look at it through the glass display. And I used to go to Incredible Universe, which was a great department store that closed down a long time ago. Incredible Universe? Incredible I don't know Universe. what that is. There were no like idea. five in the United States and one happened to be in Florida. And they had... Uh, I used to go with my friend John back when we were like little kids, and they had every system you can imagine set up on televisions. Every system. I love how Mizzo's friend John is mentioned in every Everybody. single podcast. He should be. He's a great Does guy. he pay you for this? Someday, maybe John he, will be he, on the come show. Come on, if, he, if, if you think he's um, entertaining. Hi, he John. He wants to come on. He was going to come on and yell at everything. Yeah, I got to bring That's him on. That's what he does best. We, we talked about um, Electronic Gaming Monthly EGM while we were talking about GamePro. They coexisted. EGM was great. I that just flat out. That was that was the magazine for the nineties. That was what I read most of the nineties. Yeah, that was yeah, targeted yeah, at a sushi slightly eggs. slightly more sophisticated older demographic. Yeah. The older brother, as opposed to GamePro's kid. There was a there was a special issue. I think it came out in ninety four was the buyer's guide. And one of the games that they highlighted they gave the best cooperative game to Gunstar Heroes. And I never heard of this game before. Like it was it wasn't covered even in the main EGM um magazine. So I'm like, what's this game? Why is it best co op game? So I went, rented it, and it just totally blew me away. Gunstar Heroes to this day is still nice. one of the yes. best Genesis games 
ever made, and I will always revere EGM because it told me, <laughs> hey, Gunstar Heroes exists, and I'm like, what? And then I played it, and I'm like, it does. And it blew your mind. Still, It's still a great oh. co-op game, in my opinion. I think it's fun to play co-op. It's a great game no matter what. You can yeah, throw really the is. dudes into the bosses, and it does so much damage, and that's just incredible. You could yeah, throw could some throw of the bosses. That was it yeah. was just crazy. I mean, I, yeah. I just remember playing the first stage and there were explosions everywhere. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is awesome. That's a sixty eight thousand six eight hundred heart on fire. That's what's going on there. Blast processing at its finest. And one of the reasons one of the reasons EGM could get us all all these uh lesser known games is because they crammed their issues with a lot of information and they got they got so much information after a point and so many, so much advertising i was a subscriber and you would get these 200 page monster 200 plus page monster egms and that was the best that i was so was happy a highlight that. of of being a gamer at that time it was just amazing if only scary larry had crossed over it would have been a perfect magazine I wonder what Scary Larry is doing right now. I believe he cut his wrist several years ago. <laughs> Pro tip, he's dead. <laughs> Pro tip, cut against the, uh, the the flow of blood. Oh, that's pretty horrible. <laughs> I'm sure he's he's doing fine, surrounded by loved ones. And then they got they got even bigger still that they had to split off into a separate magazine. Which I also subscribed to because by this this point I started to have a little bit of money on my own. That was EGM two, which yeah. uh, I don't think had reviews. People actually in, at least read initially. EGM two. Was it just strategy guides, kind of? They talked more about yeah cheat codes, strategy, and uh, imports a little bit than than EGM did. They tried to kind of split that stuff off, and it never really worked. All the all the um, no all the game news that the main magazines are afraid to cover. <laughs> Well, I mean, EGM two was around. How long was that? Just a couple years, probably. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it didn't yeah. really last. No, I think it was like three or four years, maybe four years. It's amazing it lasted that long. It's definitely the the golden age of video game print publications. That uh, yeah, this is before the internet was big. I'm sure websites were around at the time, but they were either expensive or annoying to get to, or you had to get AOL. And it was dial up, and they were ridiculously slow to download. Uh Late 90s, that was still GeoCities days. I mean, as again, as, as we mentioned previously regarding Nintendo Power, like EGM still filled the role of what the internet does today. It was just supplying that information. So you could print uh, EGM too because there was no game FAQs back in the day. Uh, and then the other thing that EGM was known for besides being huge is they had the, the April Fool's pranks that they would, every year they would uh, pull off some some prank on unsuspecting readers. I think it was oh, it was yes. Gamepro, right? With the Shen, Shenlong code. And everybody, That's still that going, was EGM. Still going strong today. Yeah, EGM. Did I say GamePro? I meant EGM. Which one did they get me? They got me with the fucking Simon Belmont one. That was actually the first one. God damn it, that pissed me off. I, I thought the Shenlong one might Simon Belmont and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game for the NES. <laughs> what? <laughs> I wanted to play him so bad. The code wouldn't work. It didn't work. I was so angry. <laughs> the the Shenlong code was based on what Ryu or however you pronounce his name would say in one of his windscreens. He would say, "You must master or you must defeat Shenlong to stand a chance." And I guess that was him referring to his move or his training or his. Well, I think that dragon. was the Dragon Punch. 
I, yeah, I remember having this argue with my, argument with my friends all the time, how they would say that they fought some hidden boss in, in Street Fighter. I was like, no, you idiot, that means the Dragon Punch. He's talking about the Dragon Punch. And they would still... They, I think there was, this was even before that joke came out. So I think there was like a little bit of truth to what they tried to pull off well, in that well, magazine. They made it sound realistic because they had the whole, like, you know, wait on this character for a few seconds and press over here and wait on this character. And that's how all the codes were back then for... It was that, so. and you had to you had to like have perfects all throughout the the match, and you had to like yeah, perfect it was really hard. Bison, to it get, was yeah, like right, ridiculously right. difficult. And <laughs> but I, I believe they also had like a doctored image, didn't they? With Shenlong actually in there. So I mean, back then this this was before everything is before my eye was trained to see shoops, you know. So I I I was completely convinced at the time. I was like, yeah. That's real. Look at that image on the screen. I've just pulled it up. It still looks like it actually fits in the game. They did a good job with it. It doesn't look doctored. I mean, maybe if you saw the actual print magazine, it'd look doctored. But from, like, a scan of it, it looks like it. it is the game. They really did a good job. Yeah, and again, this was, like, before the internet was huge, so there was no there was no Snopes or whatever to, like, say, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> I don't even know Snopes would touch that with a 10-foot. They don't even care. Isn't there – this – speaking of urban legends, isn't this I, – I heard an urban legend that that this this Shang Long um, trick sort of inspired the creation of Akuma, the Akuma character. Is it, there some truth did Akuma that? and also what's his name the the master guy Goken? Yeah, it Goken was both of them that they Four. because of that gag they added them later. I said, hey, let's actually add another Shoto clone character. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? And then uh, Game Pro actually came out I think later with a little section called lame pro that they would oh, call out once a year and would have kind that of was just but obvious obvious jokes kind of like the onion does now although a lot of people believe the onion uh is as they quote they cite it as a new source i've seen it done the onion is actually funny lame pro was was what an ultimate elementary school kid might think would be funny you know like like changing like cracked comics or something you know like changing the name of a movie to have the word poop in it yeah pretty much but they they also had Sean Baby, uh, EGM had Sean Baby, which uh, who is actually a very funny guy. Yeah, he's if, you've really ne- funny if you've never been to SeanBaby.com, I don't know how it's changed now, but I remember years ago reading SeanBaby.com, and it is definitely at that point it was definitely the funniest bar none site on the internet. It was hilarious, and it would talk about you know Nintendo Power and some of the, some of the things that we talk about here. And then they actually, I was excited to see them when they actually got him to write for EGM. It wasn't necessarily his best stuff that was in EGM, but it was consistently entertaining too. He would, he would cover like... The worst games of all time kind of thing. Yeah. When did he start in EGM though? Wasn't that like the early 2000s-ish? Yeah, Possibly? you know, I think he'd That's already been popular for a couple of years before they brought him in. Yeah, I definitely knew about him and for a couple of years before was I saw him. Was it EGM him. that eventually got that kind of comic that ripped off on Milk and Cheese kind of stuff a little bit? It was uh, The Adventures of Sue and Chan. Yeah, that was EGM. It was actually pretty good. I liked reading it. One side thing about Sean Baby, I, I just remembered it. I remember Sean Baby hosted some video game awards or something or some countdown. It's got to be on YouTube. He is the worst 
cue card reader of all time. Oh, no. He is a charisma oh, no. vacuum on uh, <laughs> on TV. Oh, that's, that, think, that's not too surprising because he's just some random guy from the internet. But you, who had, if like, you a see his pictures site. on his site, he looks like the most dynamic and hilarious. He looks like a and, dude, yeah. you know, balls to the wall party guy of all time. And then he gets on there and he's mum- reading cue cards and mumbling, and <laughs> it just felt so bad for him. Yeah, I think they might have wanted to screen test this guy, you know, just to see if he had some kind of personality, <laughs> like other than on the on the internet. I'm sure he know. does. He was probably just nervous. He's probably really nervous. Yeah, he was probably he really nervous. Time. It happens. It's okay, Sean, baby. I believe in you. Speaking of unfunny, I want to take this opportunity to transition to game players, uh, also known as ultra game players. Does any has anybody read that? Did anybody used to read that? I don't remember that at all. I'm have... looking at it, and I vaguely remember it. I remember what's his name, that guy that's the editor. I remember him. Bill Donahoe or whatever. I, I am liking this old uh, nin- this old color uh, Nintendo Game Boy ad that's on like the second page with it has Game Boys sprouting out of people's heads. I have never I have never looked at this magazine in my entire life. I actually had this issue. I, I remember having this issue. Those were the first magazines reason. I threw out. <laughs> the game game players. Yeah. No, that's enough of that. Wow. They really based their issues heavily on the personalities of the editors and how funny they were and how how great they were. A lot of those guys actually ended up being pretty successful in that field. Like they would move on to you know the IGNs of the world, but. It, the, the letters page was just really obnoxiously, you know, going for every possible laugh. PC Gamer and some other periodicals are like that now, but they really, they really overdid it. And, uh, but I, I would buy it too. It's one of the things I would buy. Again, they were the first ones I threw out, threw out, but, um, it's like the opposite of something like Next Generation Magazine, which, which covered the industry. It's very fondly remembered today. And it was written really like a more like a grown-up publication, but talking about this great hobby of ours. Uh, Ultra game players just really went for for goofiness. And I mean, I could see. I mean, you would buy these things because once again, as I said, this is still back in the day pre-internet. That once you read your copy of EGM, once you read your copy of GamePro, you wanted more game stuff, and there was no internet to go find and learn more. You would just go to the local grocery store or whatever and oh look they've got this magazine that i don't have i guess i'll get it and read it yeah well i would actually just yeah. go to the grocery store and stand there and read the magazine <laughs> well, and then i would do that be... too well i was impressed with when next generation came out i can't remember the first issue that i read i think it had a mario on the cover and... i think i n64 was probably the first one i read i don't know if that was the first one they had so the guy but... that took me to task on konami just said mario <laughs> Did you <say> really, <laughs> Mario? But I said, hey, so so I was gonna say, uh, speaking of editors actually having personalities, like when does Game Fan come into this? Because that was, I think, Game Fan was the first time where I actually started paying attention to who wrote what. When before I would just look at the magazine as a whole. Game Fan came a few years before uh, Game Players really found its voice. So, but they were pretty much contemporaries. They were really niche. I mean, early on, it was just the diehard Game Fan that just you got when you bought something from Die Hard right. Game Fan, which 
I never knew such a store existed. I was in Iowa. Fuck if I know about anything like that. You know, I, I took a, I took the most epic journey of my life to that point to diehard game fan in Arlington Heights, or I don't know what, some Illinois city. I, I don't have any, I don't have much money back then. So I, I grabbed my, my, I grabbed my kid brother and we got on a train or I don't know. I think we got on a train to get there all the way from Chicago, which wasn't really that far, but to us it was far. And like 30 minutes. I came up against <laughs> it's horrible. I came up against the wall of, of the suburban street numbering systems because I was looking for this address. So it would go for, let's say, let's say I was looking for 11924 West Dempster or whatever. So I'm, I'm at 119, uh, I'm at 117, I'm at 118, and all of a sudden it goes back down to like 200 West. And, you know, all of us, cause the suburbs are kind of cutting into one another. Yes. So it took us a long time, but we finally got there. It was pretty late and I didn't, I didn't really end up buying anything. I bought some, some Street Fighter little stuffed figures. I looked at, I remember I looked at, um, Fire Pro Wrestling Six Man Scramble for the Saturn, which I really should have bought, <laughs> but I didn't. It was like 60 bucks and it seemed like, a, or probably more than 60 bucks, it seemed like all the money in the world. But I went there and we were happy. And then we took a cab home and, uh, and that's when I first heard a game fan, and ever since then, it's it keeps coming back into my life. No, it's pretty much dead now. <laughs> the well, beginning no, but... of a long love affair with wrestling. I, I guess it's I guess it's influenced. It's influenced no, isn't heavily. Game fans back, isn't it? No, no, I, it, doesn't it, doesn't right it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. There's no such thing. Have, trying to do a print magazine this is a little bit of a of an odd thing these days. I I don't think you can viably sustain something like that. So let's talk a little bit more about how Game Fan or Diehard Game Fan, as it was then known, how that started out. Do we know or should I tell you? You can tell us. Yes, you can tell us. F- please feel free to tell us. So, someone's got to make up for that, that story that went nowhere. It started off just to show as a little newsletter to just to show off some of the import games and things that were available at the store. I think it really became famous for putting a lot of care into its screenshots when it first started becoming recognized, it was printed on this high quality, relatively high quality paper. Just this, these big bursts of color all over the place. You know, these big screenshots that were blown up to be the background of the article and then all these little, um, shots. And, and they actually took their own screenshots. They didn't, I think they probably pretty much had to back in those days. So there would be one guy playing the game, and then another guy would be taking screenshots, and they would put put a lot of effort into it. They would spend like hours trying to find just the right frame. Exactly. So um, if you wanted news on import games and some niche titles, and you wanted to see pictures of these things and and get your get yourself excited about those things, Game Fan just hit the spot like like nothing else back then. Here's what I have to say about Game Fan. I mean, I, I, I appreciate what the coverage that they, that they provided. Oh, and God. Are you going to talk bad about Game Fan? Really? I'm glad I sent you that virus. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people really like, I mean, I, I do like, again, like I said, I like the, the, uh, coverage that they provided for, uh, for import games and stuff, but like, I guess I just never got the, the, the holy reverence that a lot of people had for this magazine. I just, it was just, the first, I mean, really, in my opinion, it was the first magazine that had real personality. It, it, it had a right. strong that's, personality that's that kind of clicked well. That's that's true. I mean, it definitely had that, but the I, I guess the layouts are just something they're they're hard for me to take. Like even now, just looking at looking back at them, they're pretty 
you know, the colors are all over the place, and, uh, you know, it just, I don't know. It's, like, aesthetically, yeah, it, was nothing, it did never look something like a motel really bedspread. I mean, it was just all over the place with colors and, and stains and everything, but... Jonathan talked what? a moment ago about how EGM was so professional, and he remembered it like for that. And I sort of like the professionalism of EGM compared to GameFan. Although, I, like I said, I appreciate the coverage that they did. I appreciate the work that they did. I agree that, that GameFan doesn't have the professionality, but it definitely killed EGM on personality-wise. That's the big exactly. thing. Exactly. Like, I, I mean, I was a kid when this stuff came out. I wasn't 40 years old like you were, so I actually <laughs> got excited about this I kind wasn't of stuff. 40 years and old, I okay. did enjoy the pictures and stuff, you know, and and like like Corey said, the main thing, the main draw for me at least was uh, these were people that really cared about these games, and I I got to know, well, I didn't really get to know, I got to kind of understand where each of them were were coming from, even and though I half of, of them were Dave Halverson, even though half of them were Dave Halverson, exactly, and I got to kind of uh, align myself with certain, you know what I mean, like I, I could tell, like oh he likes this game. I will probably also like this game. Like that was yeah. one of the first. That was that was the first time where I started thinking. If E Storm likes it, or if Nick Rocks likes it, I'm true. probably right. gonna like it too. Exactly. Like like I I kind of knew what they liked, what they didn't like, and how that fit in with my taste, and that helped me decide uh, make better game choices. And they also highlighted games that I would never have originally thought. I don't think I imported a single game until I read Game Fan Magazine. I don't think I played a single Japanese game until that point. So uh, for me, oh, it kind of yeah. it kind of opened up the the niche parts of of the hobby that I enjoyed so much. When before all I did was play the big game Nintendo told me to play, and I did have fun doing that. And then I was like, "There's a whole other world of of tiny little games that are just you know they're just not part of the mainstream." And uh, that's all I do now is I play like the the tiniest, craziest games I can find. I'm looking yeah I'm looking here at this copy that Nick provided, and uh, they've got reviews of uh, Umihara Kawase. Shun. I still haven't played that game. Which is which is which is such a great, wonderful game. I mean, it's yeah, I'm happy that that's there. That people are letting people know about it. Yeah, it it had the cartoon characters and the the suit the nom de plumes of that that Game Pro had, but the writing was leagues beyond. the The writing was actually engaging and yeah. did cover a lot of games that you wouldn't get that much coverage of anywhere else and right. it really piqued your interest it really broadened your horizons because you weren't game pro would keep writing about street fighter street fighter street fighter at one point and with with game pro i mean sorry with game fan there was always a, some import to read about or there was always some game that you might have looked over that because the writing was so interesting and because it was so visually, I drew you in visually. You you started reading about these things, and it, it was uh, it was good for that. I do agree with Eric to a point that it was kind of embarrassing to just open a page and then like there's all this color and uh, like this zoomed in screenshot that's underneath the text. It really did look kind of low rent in a yeah, way. Yeah, a little but bit sometimes. It was part of the charm at the at the early days. I think these were fans making. A magazine. Yeah, I mean, just like Mizzo said, GameFan is, is what got me into import gaming. That is, there was no concept of importing games until like 95, 96 when I started to see these things. And it's like, holy crap, there's games in Japan? Yeah, there's like what a whole other world that I just have been ignoring completely. And it's and it was back then, it was even the main, like we would get the scraps of what would come out of Japan. You know, like not now. Now we get almost everything. There's, there's very few games that are released uh, stateside. but Except back for then, Half Minute Hero 2. Uh, except for the ones I really want to play, but yeah, I don't think I really imported my first game until like uh, 2000 or something. Technically, the first game I imported was when I went to Japan when I was 
10. And I bought a copy of Ikari Warriors because at that time, for whatever reason, for the, for the Nintendo, for the NES, it was, it was the Famicom version. And I remember being really like freaked out about it because it was so small. Like, like, Did it work there... on that Nintendo? No, well, no, of course it didn't. But like, I, I still have it somewhere, <laughs> and it was it was such a cool, like cool thing because like, I knew I knew the arcade version. I played the arcade version. I was like, wow, this is out for the Nintendo, and it's not out. It's not out in the United States. I'll I'll be a cool guy and pick it up now. I think we got all three in the states eventually, and, and they sucked compared to the arcade. Yeah, they're they're like... nowhere near as good. But um, yeah. I I think they can work if you if you crack open the case and you just stick in the board into like a you know yeah, into like that. a tray loader but yeah I, <laughs> that'll work really well at ten yeah you're gonna have no problem with that I remember yeah I remember they they would there was a section of GameFan that would actually show some things from Japan that weren't available here not just games but I might be thinking of something else but I thought there was some section where they would show you something from over there. There was. There was in the back. It would just be like little toys and stuff or little weird things. And eventually I had the anime section too. And Corey, did that have anything to do with you moving over to Japan later in your life? <laughs> it did not. <laughs> I mean, I maybe vaguely having played Japanese games, I had some interest in taking Japanese, but eh, it's kind of, no, not really. <laughs> you just wanted the chicks, okay. Yeah, good <laughs> enough. does it? Come on. Come on! Gay dudes, girls. Touche. Touche. And then uh, I guess we can transition to, in talking about GameFan, we can transition to the online um, magazines that we've read because GameFan kind of is the godfather of a little movement there. The things that sites and magazines that are kind of related to it or pay homage to it, or is it an homage? I'm sorry. <laughs> That are kind of that are kind of in that good. what I consider to be in that game fan family. So print magazines, um, we had of course um, GameGo, which published one issue that was available Electronics Boutique in what was in 2001. I <laughs> which we will definitely do a whole show on at some point, I'll or we'll do a game bucks. fan slash. I'll that. save I'll save what I have for an actual whole show, but yeah. I... I had a nice close view of that, so fairly close view of that, so yes. I can go on and on about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think all of us definitely, everyone on this podcast was definitely a, a fan of that magazine <laughs> in some form. Game, yeah, Game Fan led to Game Go, and um, we're all here because of that. And we're all together here because of that. It's not that we're all here on this earth because of that, but we're all here. As a community, where we they, all owe it to. They said the Game Go forums would be right back, and I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> they are. I they're still refresh the, that. They're called the day. next level forums now. They're TNL. They're better than before. And then there's Hardcore Gamer, uh, which is a print magazine I've never actually read. I subscribed to that, and uh, it was not good. They really tried to be game fan, right? I don't Isn't even know what that magazine is. So, what what was it? Well, was that what, describe? Was that the, is that yeah, the John, DJ Pubba one? Jonathan, uh, tell us about Hardcore Gamer. I don't recall much of it because I, I try to scrub it most from my memory, but I just remember <laughs> getting the issue. The paper felt cheap. The covers didn't look great, and it was just. But by that time, the problem was the problem with most uh, magazines being printed now is that the internet was out there. So it's like, yeah. why am I reading this if most of the information here I could just get online? So it just 
I mean, I, I mean, it was, I think it was like 25 bucks for a year subscription, and I didn't, I only got like six issues at the end, but at that point I didn't care anymore, because it just, just wasn't appealing. It wasn't, I mean, it, I guess it was a valid attempt to bring it back to what GameFan was, but uh, it, too little, too late. It tried to capture and maybe update, I think, the visual style of, of GameFan. It had little characters for the authors and the, the guy that drew that was responsible for the look of Game Fan as far as the artwork initially Wolf I guy. think came back. Terry what's his actually a couple of people that are well, a couple of people that are in TNL now wrote for Game Fan, but a couple of people that um write well, James who writes for TNL, James Cunningham, I believe, wrote for Hardcore Gamer and Jeremy on our forums actually wrote Oh, that's that magazine Jeremy went to. Now I remember what that that. is. Yeah. Now I remember. Jeremy, I've never read it. I I never touched it. Yeah. And then later (laughs) we, later we had play, which I used to browse now and then, but I never really read much about. I know they mentioned they mentioned us once or twice. I was happy. Former editor and publisher of um of of Game Fan, right? Dave Halverson. Dave Halverson. Yeah. And our own um, Shidoshi, who worked at GameFan, also worked at Play, and is now working at EGM. Um, this is why I consider all these to be, because the same people were involved in the, the same philosophy where you talk about you talk about the broad spectrum of games, including imports and things that are maybe a little more obscure, and you just bring a passion to it that's not a corporate passion necessarily it's something where you're a gamer and you're looking at it from the you know it's from the ground up you're a gamer and you enjoy these things and you really want to tell people about these things when did retro gamer start that's that's another question that right about the same time period as well it's like late mid 2000s when retro gamer started as well so the european magazine or yeah yeah the european one the one that oh the oh the european one okay well yeah retro gamer magazine the the well, European was, retro was game. Was there one like, that was published here, or I, I guess I'm just thinking of. Um, you might be insane. Yeah, I'm, I might possible. just be insane. But well, the virus has gone to his brain. Take your hands off the keyboard. But I do know this, Nick. I think one of our other members was um, somehow involved with an issue or two of Retro Gamer. I think it was uh, Ken Horowitz. Oh, yeah, better known as who runs Sega Melf. 16 and is a pro- prominent yeah. member of. TNL. Yeah, TNL is all over the place. We have people. We're, we are like a virus. We we're, have operatives well, everywhere. People related to the forums are all over. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, as far as sites, uh, GameFan itself had a very good website that I would go to um, regularly. I can I can see it in my head vividly. And I think Shidoshi actually pretty much ran that site for a while. When it, like when GameFan was falling apart, I think they yeah pretty much yeah it was pretty much Shidoshi doing it. I remember the, the old man show. I just remember being the old IRC all the time back in the day when GameFan had it. Nice. And then Gamers Republic, which had I remember mostly for having that sp- that splash screen. It, you would load GamersRepublic.com, and then it would, there would be a pause, and then you would hear like a whooshing sound, and it would be like a little flash intro. It it just wasted your time. Oh, wow, good memory. Didn't yeah. tell you anything. I think Jonathan mentioned Next Gen before. We never really talked about it. Next Gen was more of a, ser- a serious business magazine, right? It was about the industry, not so much. It was about the games, but it really focused and excelled at covering what was going on behind the scenes and with the developers. The home background of my phone is an issue of ne- a cover of an issue of Next Gen magazine, and it shows a. Uh, 
King's Quest Eight, and it says the new face of graphic adventures. I just like having that around because King's Quest Eight was the worst game of all time. And the ladies just love it. No, the new they King's Quest it. are the worst game of all time. It's, the freeware ones. It's not the new face of adventure. It's the death of adventure is what it should have said. we got to do a King's Quest retrospective, retrospective because... Yes, look, I just did it right now. They're all crap. We're done. Hey, they're not all crap. We'll, we'll take this up again in the future. I've thrown down the gauntlet. There's nothing... That, King's Quest had its moments. It had its moments, yes. But we're not talking about that right now. Yeah, anyway. Um, so are we going to talk about next gen or... I really didn't want to get into it. I think it we just did, much. didn't we? Okay, I didn't have yeah. too many next gens. I had the, I remember the N64 one talking about Mario, and they were completely right. They were like, with Mario 64, Nintendo, I mean, Nintendo 64 is amazing. Without Mario, it's, it's crap. There's a thread on the TNL forums now where James, who we just talked about, is asking if he should trash his old, uh, cause he he's moving, trash his trash old magazines all. or not. But I think uh, I saw in that thread where people are saying, well, if you have next gen, or game fan, you know, I'll, I'll take those off your hands. So I think those are the two next gen and game fan, are the two ones that really hold up for very different reasons. One, because next gen is because next generation magazine is because we pine for that kind of coverage again, where there's actually in depth coverage and that's interesting to read. And it's not just, Hey, this is the best game of all time. We give it a, you know, five out of five and. You know, you see that everywhere, but how often do you see real? And there, you, there are some sites, but mainstream, you don't see too much in-depth coverage of what's happening and who the, what the important issues are. Yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah, that's sort of missing. I think that there's a couple of websites out there that sort of provide that kind of coverage, but they're pretty few and far between. I think, especially with Metacritic and how people are sort of obsessed with getting high. Uh, critic scores that, you know, people are sort of very much into jumping on the bandwagon when it comes to review scores. I, I would say that there, I guess there is an online equivalent of Next Generation and it would be Gama Sutra. Like, I was looking through the pages of the Next Generation magazine that, uh, Nick provided and had an interview with Richard, uh, Garriott, uh, the guy who did, right. um, the Ultima yes, games. we know so, Ultima games. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we, so, we know. <laughs> Lord British, Lord British himself. But uh, so yeah, I guess if you want to like get those in-depth interviews of people in the industry, uh, I, I, you would now go to Gama Sutra, and they have. Well, well, wouldn't wouldn't Gama Sutra have two M's? Wouldn't I thought this was a game and something else mixed together to make Gama Sutra? But I could be wrong about that. I just assumed it was a play on Kama Sutra. It's a play on Kama Sutra, their Gama Sutra. You shush, Mizzo's too innocent to hear this. A play on what? Is that a Japanese word? Gama Sutra. Seriously? Oh, my brain. (laughs) Well, no, I didn't hear what you said. The Kama Sutra. Okay, no, I still don't know what that is, so that's okay. Google the Kama Sutra. It just... Do I have to? It's a, it's a handbook of sexual health and positions that oh, is yeah. used Made in the by East. Indians, I gotcha, yes. then. I guess it does Real make Indians, sense. Indians. And by people in the West, it's more like patchouli. They use that, too. Anyway, besides Game of Republic, which didn't last that long, of course, uh, there's the next level, which isn't directly a descendant of that, but really was inspired by the style. I was hoping Bon, um, who started the next level, would be on this week. But there's actually a site called Die Hard Game Fan now that supposedly really? has the Whoa, blessing uh, really? of Halverson. 
I always wondered about them because they took the same color scheme uh, that TNL used to have, that blue and green. I don't know if they still have it, but they had that blue and green thing. And I remember I was showing it to Bond. Well, let's all point our browsers it's over there. very white now. Don't give him yeah, traffic. It's, it's Don't give him traffic. Um, but I remember showing Bond. I said, hey, look, they, they kind of look like ours. And they, they mentioned us. They said, well, we have writers from TNL. And then they mentioned like 10 other sites. So I said, oh, I wonder if we, there's anybody on there that we know. And there was a – TNL used to have these little drawings for the staff. You know, so Bond would be – uh, hugging Chung Lee. I don't know. I, f- I forget what they are. But Game Fan also had these little drawings. Die Hard Game Fan, the website. And the lead guy was, appeared to be an African American. And there was a caricature of him with a Dreamcast swirl and some wait, other things. Wait, caricature? And, uh, caricature. <laughs> caricature? <laughs> Nobody, we don't actually, we never talk. We just read words. We don't know how they're pronounced. You know what? I'm gonna. That's probably how it's pronounced. So don't, don't make me look it up. Caricature. It's caricature. But let's move on. Yeah, I remember showing it to Bond. And he said, "Are they making fun of me? Or are they? <laughs> is that supposed to be me?" But um, yeah, they're they're still going strong too, and they uh, they've got the whole thing going on. But I don't know what's happening now since Game Fan is back as a print mag. I don't know. I don't know how they're still they still have the rights to it. But Game Fan's. Uh, URL now is like gamefanmag or something.com. They didn't even get gamefan.com for the actual gamefan magazine that's returned. The same dude that owns the next level has gamefan.com. It'll be gone within the next, you know, two months anyway. So I'm surprised it's still here. I'm surprised it came back. I'm surprised it's I bought like the first three issues and I, I didn't even look in them. Well well it's like I I don't think that the nostalgia factor or or, or how charming your writers are can make up for for the complete loss of any kind of practicality with with a magazine, there, there's just no actual point to reading a magazine anymore. Like no matter how, it, you just just do it online at this point. But that's, that's what retro game over. retro gamer does right. That's the only magazine I would say nowadays that is really worth reading because they make great articles, great retrospectives on things that is interesting. If you try to do modern stuff, you can't beat online. You cannot be up to date. Up to date, you're a month and a half behind. So, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, like you they need to, to move on. You can try to get exclusives and interviews, but it's it's not going to be enough, I don't think, at any point. What are some of the other sites you think are doing it correctly? I mean, what are, what are the bookmarks you have every day? Let, let's plug some competitors here. I mean, I, I dread going to every site I go to. I enjoy the escapist for the videos that they have there. Right. But not even, not usually the the game ones it's more well, other than zero punctuation it's the it's the other videos they have the the media ones and things like that that are more interesting but i don't think i've ever read anything on the escapist ever no i used to go to the escapist for uh zero punctuation as well as uh extra credits which has now moved to penny arcade tv yeah i definitely go to penny arcade fairly i like often. movie bob i'm as still well. banned from those forums though <laughs> wait 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 what <laughs> How did you get banned from the Penny Arcade forums? All you have to do is say that you didn't like the comic, and then people will really? jump down your throat. Wow. Yeah, I, I used to talk about how, well, this is completely tangent, but whatever. I used to say, you know, like, hey, today's comic is really funny, you know, blah, 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 and we would talk about it. And all was good for, like, a few weeks, and then they put out a comic that I didn't think was funny. And I was like, wow, I didn't think this was funny because of this, this, this. And they're like, what, 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 blah, 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 and they jumped down my throat. 
And I tried to defend my position, and I wasn't even being a troll. I wasn't even being making fun of people. I wasn't doing any of my usual things. And I still got banned. And then uh, I think the forums... This is a while ago. And then the forums actually changed over. Like, the forums were, were taken down, and new ones were put up, and all the bans were lifted. So I jumped back in. And I said, like, I posted one thing... And some moderator was like, I remember you. And he banned me immediately. What? And I was like, I can't. I must have made fun of the greatest comic ever in Penny Arcade history. And I haven't gone back since. This That's is why I told you not incredible. to mention any other forums. Because other forums suck. <laughs> I think it's they so, do. It's so hard to they find really a forum do. that's not full of shit. Like, I'll go to Gaming Age for news, basically. And I won't go to Gaming Age, it, it's ever. Really, you, there's no point in posting your opinion against Gaming Age. The second you post it, it's going to get... There's going to be like 200 people writing at the same time. It's going to get pushed two pages back. Nobody ever read it. Nobody even reads the first post. Everyone looks at the name of the thread and then makes, just decides, like, this is my opinion. And they write something down. Nobody ever reads anybody else's opinion. There's no room for discussion. It's so impersonal. So I just go there for the news, basically. There's there's one website that I've been going to for years called GameCritics.com. The front page is kind of screwed up right now because they've got some horrible ad thing that plays every time you visit it but um they've always had some really good honest reviews from people that are kind of thoughtful and that they have kind of a weird there's sort of like a like a like a general mode of thinking on that particular website they all have this kind of like they're very like single player focused they don't like multiplayer games they like right. games with a lot of narrative yeah i mean <laughs> it's 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 good it's kind of irritating in a way but they they have their own very unique opinions on games and it's always interesting to read them they'll dump on games like mass effect 2 because you know they took out all the uh, tedious rpg stuff they should and they made it good well you know what you could have gone two ways with that game you could have well, you know, whatever. I'm not talking about this. We can get to that later, but like, yeah. you know, they'll they'll dump on all kinds of popular games. I mean, they just dumped on Kingdoms of Amalur, The Reckoning. Um, the guy there who reviewed it just totally trashed it, and they got a lot of negative comments for that. But the, you know, they, See, but that that they sounds like you're just over trying there. to be negative just to get the attention. Well, maybe not. There might be a little bit of that, but do they really back it up? I mean, yeah, they can cause... back it up. I mean, they're thoughtful, well-written reviews, and uh, so I definitely praise them for that. What, read, what is it, a Eurogamer or Edge or Euro whatever it is, is? It always gives l lower scores, but they really justify it and they get respect for that. Eurogamer has the best reviews out there. I mean, they, they, they I trust what they write. You know who always surprises me? Uh, I used to read uh, this magazine. That was, it had the stupidest name ever, and it kept changing. But I think when I started reading, it was Computer Games and Strategy Plus. What? And it was a Computer <laughs> Games and Strategy okay. Plus, I think. Was All the name right. Of it. It was a really good fucking magazine, trust me, about PC games. And uh, there was this writer on it called Tom Chick. And he was always very good. And if you look up Tom Chick now, I don't know if it's the same guy. I assume it's the same guy. And he writes freelance, although I think he's writing for some site now. And he writes the worst reviews, like, on purpose. <laughs> like, he will troll the shit out of, like, big games and just get negative comments. And I don't know if he's... I think he might actually be serious about a lot of these reviews, but... That's a dude that went in a completely different direction from what I remember, if this is the same guy I'm thinking about, which it may not even be. I remember a website called Daily Radar that I used to go to every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's still around, and it's... I think it just closed again. I think they brought it back and closed again. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. I thought that website closed like 10 years ago, but I, it did. I did enjoy it. I distinctly remember the picture that they had when, when the site closed down. It was like, some guy... He was like pointing his finger out, and it was like a, he was pointing his finger out of the screen, like 
telling like the worker to get out, and the worker was like holding a box. And I'm like, what's going on? And Daily Radar, I ran out of money, but uh, I distinctly remember it because it had it had a very simplified rating system. It was either uh, a dud, uh, a hit, and then I forgot the other two. But I was a big fan of just having like a four a four point right. system. It was either the game was either bad, mediocre, good, or great. That sounds about that sounds pretty. Rather go down to a two point system. It's great or it's shit. That's yeah. I actually shit. want to talk about that because. Um, because of the rating systems at, at TNL, um, I said something earlier about all these sites giving five out of five and this is the best game ever. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about that, but I'm going to push that to the side for a second. Getting back to Daily Radar. Um, getting back to Daily Radar, I think one of its strengths, as I recall, maybe it's just because I was new on the internet at that time, as far as being on the internet every single day. Because I I got you know the Sega Dreamcast and I, that's when I started getting on the internet every day and then like a month later I needed the internet so bad I actually broke down and bought an entire <laughs> PC because because of that. Um, I remember there was Greg Orlando and some other people on there. These were people that could actually write very well, but you had a feeling uh, they they just hit a good center. You had a feeling that these were these were just guys that wanted to talk about games. They're just guys talking about games, but they actually could write well as well. And none of it seemed forced. It was a very corporate site. That's why it crashed. You know, they put a lot of money into it and they expected a lot of returns. And then a lot of things went wrong uh, all over the internet. And that was you know that kind of went down with a lot of other sites. Yeah, but it, it was a really good diverse selection of articles you would go in every day there would always be something to read you know they would have top 10 this or and then they would have straight up reviews and they would have news and it was very well done i really miss it i used to i used to visit uh kotaku before the redesign which i find i don't uh, i can't incredibly stand the kotaku hideous. Redesign. it's it's, it's i can't, I can't read even it. look at the fucking thing i don't understand i never actually go to this site i just have it in my uh my news reader so i just follow the links when they come up i also go to giant bomb I mean, there are a couple of regular dudes. They're not really looking through imports or anything too exciting. You know, they kind of and and their their point of views are pretty straight and narrow. So they they never. I tried really listening to their podcast, and it was it was garishly bad. It was just it was it was just people screaming into a microphone. And you it was must just have caught a bad episode. One up one another. The giant bombcast. You caught yeah. a bad episode because in general, I think it's really good. Yeah, it was I obnoxious think all the to me. Podcasts are people yelling at each other. That's they mesh really well, so. It works pretty well, There's I think. Euro, do you guys go to Eurogamer? I go to Eurogamer. Oh, yeah, definitely. I always read Eurogamer. I use Joystick for my latest news stuff. That's usually pretty good. I In Firefox, I have the I have set up the RSS reader as a link, so I, I don't even visit the site. I just look at the all the headlines, and I just choose whichever article interests me, and all the rest I just skip. And, but whatever you do, don't... Uh, I tend to do this sometimes. Don't read the Joystick comments. It's just... Don't read any comments ever. That's a, that's a, that's a dangerous road to go down. It's, the problem is, like, you're scrolling down, you're, like, you're going, you're reading through the article, and then next thing you know, you keep scrolling down, and then you reach the end of the article, and then there's this comment. And then you're like, what? And then you keep on reading, and it's either someone trying to be funny, or someone saying something bad and about Activision, or getting EA, really or something. And, uh, but, I mean, if there was just a, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure there's probably a way an add-on I could put on Firefox to just block that out, uh, just block out the comments and just read the articles. But yeah, I... You just don't look at them. How, how, they're at the bottom of the article. They're easy to ignore. Come on. 
I don't know. It's just, but the thing is, like you know, if you scroll, you keep scrolling down with the scroll wheel, and then you get past, you get to the end, and then <laughs> when you reach the end of the article, you're done. Then you move on to the next article. I don't know, but it, I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's, 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 maybe it's this sadomasochistic thing in me. It's just like I'm gonna read these comments. Maybe they'll be good. Nope, not good. <laughs> but um, joystick. Uh, same thing with Kotaku. Like, I but I don't. I don't visit the site. I just look at the news articles, and if there's anything that's interesting, then I, I might follow through. But uh, those sites, uh, Shoyuken.com, because uh, I'd like to keep uh, up on the finances. Cool. Yeah, yeah, but it, I it mean, really yeah, is accessible. Uh, again, the comments there, and I really should just stop reading them. I know they're bad. Yeah, yes, you should. I'm not a huge fan of Shoyuken, to be honest. I mean. But. Uh, I mean, it's a good place. Oh, I mean, it's a decent place if you wanna like know like what's up in. I, I guess if you're really into fighting games and like you you wanna know what's going on because they usually report stuff well before Joystick and uh, Kotaku uh, yeah. pick things up. Uh, Gama Sutra, um, uh, definitely for the interviews and um, huge huge fans of the of the postmortems. The postmortems are amazing. Yes, that, yes. those are so good. Those fill the void of uh, Next Generation. And I know they have, uh, well, they use the name, I think now it's just called Edge Online. Sometimes I'll, I'll visit that site as well. I mean, it depends what if anything anything, anything is interesting on the RSS feed that shows up. But yeah, those I mean, those are the big sites that, uh, that I see. There's also Rock Paper Shotgun. Rock Paper Shotgun, I just started reading recently. That's actually a really good site. There. Um, yeah, it's a, another Euro site, I believe, right? And it's, it's all PC focused, but it's the really Brits good. The Brits always do it better. Is it, is it Euro? I'm, maybe I I'm know. off. I think it is a Euro site, though. It, it's, it's good, so there's a good chance it's probably British. <laughs> For Japanese stuff, I go to andreasang.com. Yeah. It's a pretty good site. Would you be more comfortable continuing to go to Kotaku for, fu- uh, I'm sorry, not, uh, SRK, uh, Shoryuken for fighting news and, uh, do we do we want to break up the discussion like this, or do you think it's possible to have a big mega site where you can get all like most people who read a paper, maybe read only one paper? Do, do you think do you foresee that going? That doesn't on exist or? on the internet. I, I, I don't like that. I, I like the way that the internet has focused people's interests. You know, in uh, so you can find like I think you should find the niche and then fill it to the best of your uh, capability, and and then I will go there and I will get you know when I feel like reading about that particular thing I'll go because you have access to all of it. You don't have to pay for it. Yeah, there's there is no the sites that try to be the mega sites nowadays is the crap like IGN which and GameStop ugh. or Game GameSpot. I always get to how can how can those two have such similar names? IGN has just become unreadable at this point. They just I try hate to IGN, do so but much. I have, no, I have no problem with GameSpot. I think if I'm going to look up something on a mega site, I always go to GameSpot first. Why does GameSpot have such a similar name to GameStop. How can that? How can they let that happen? I get those two confused in my head <laughs> all the time. Like, how how could that even be? They're both terrible. So that that's just true. pretty much covers it. They can be linked the together. GameSpot, I mean, I, I I do prefer GameSpot to IGN, but I, I still try to not really go there that often. If if I'm looking, usually when I play an old game, like I'll dig an old game out of my collection, I'll play it, I'll form an opinion of that game, and then I will look up every review I can find on the internet about that game just to see what I agree with and what I disagree with, and I generally tend to get really upset at the IGN reviews. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the IGN ones are always just upsetting. I noticed that when they published that East, that East review that we talked about last week, yes. Did you go back and read that? That was the most upsetting thing. 
That was the most upsetting thing. The I've most ever. It's upsetting like you, thing. It is. <laughs> makes the me most, cry. They hate it on East. How can you hate on East? Christ. I don't know. But it was like he, it was like he didn't play it. It was like he didn't play it at all. I just don't even understand. And he, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to talk about this today. It's just going to make him upset. Right. So I don't know why I do this. I, I guess it's it's like like Jonathan said, it's a Silomachus thing. But I'll just look up reviews for games. <laughs> Pseudo masochist. Wait, what, what did he say? I just look up for pseudo masochist. Almost, it's kind of a masochist thing. I think I think Eric is the only one that has not mispronounced a word tonight. So <laughs> not yet. Work on that, please. Keep, keep waiting. Pseudo masochist. Okay, there, I got it. My brain started working again. Pseudo masochistic. Oh is that correct? I don't know. Pseudo masochist. I look up those reviews, but I do. I just like to. Yeah. Game trailers is great for the video. I used to go there pretty often, too, because I, I really do enjoy all the videos they get up. So that's a good sign for that. But editorial content-wise... They have that one show that they where they it's like Mythbusters, only for video games. That's kind of cool, game actually, yeah. And it's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like their... Their little, those little weird things that they do, that, that, and, uh... I don't even remember. There's, like, retrospectives and stuff. Those are usually pretty cool. The reviews... Eh, those are usually kind of so-so, but they let you see the pretty pictures of the game, so that's kind of nice. I don't think I need reviews anymore. I can honestly look at a game, see what developer made it, look at screenshots of the game, and know instantly if I'm going to like it or not. Like, I don't even need reviews. In this <laughs> is game it horrible anymore. is it complete and shit? I don't I'm going to love been, it. I don't think I've been wrong <laughs> well, either I in agree a long to time. It. I agree to an extent. I avoid reviews, even though I write them. I especially avoid those. I, I do kind of the same thing. I go by who's making the game and, and what the history of the developer and the franchise is, and then how I catch the other ones. Like, for instance, Demon Souls, which to me came out of nowhere. When I see a thread on TNL that's got, you know, that's constantly busy and it's got all these replies, even more than usual, because most of the threads are busy. But yeah. when you see something that you've never heard of and it's just got, you click in there and you see everybody saying, Oh, I love this. This is great. This is the best game. And, you know, that's how I pick up on the other games, but I, I really don't usually go for reviews because I just, so many are poorly written and so many can, I've been, I've had games spoiled a little bit, you know, I'm still sour about Eternal Darkness, you know, reading the reviews for that. And then, you know, that took away the surprise of seeing things crawl on the screen and have, you know, having messages that your GameCube is, is broken, um, they do get careless sometimes, and then things like we read in Destructoid every once in a while, because Destructoid is... Oh, thanks, Nick. You the... just ruined Eternal Darkness for me. Forever and ever. <laughs> Destructoid is on this uh, newsreader I have on my phone. It's one of the things that gets fed in, and I've read a couple of reviews that just piss me off, because they're so awful. They're, or some other news articles where it's just yeah. it's talking about ejaculating and things. It's just like, oh, this is so awful. So I, I try to avoid my almost any site. <laughs> Destroyctoid really tries to be just the crude, funny, fat ass, and it just ends up being just the fat ass. Let's go back for a minute to rating systems because I, I was kind of, I kind of started to to take a tangent there, and then I stopped myself because I thought, well, we'll just talk about it at the end. Um, what do you look for in a rating? So, which rating system have you seen and liked, and you wish you know more honest, sites would do it that way? Honestly, I th I like. I like the way that the AV Club does it. Um, I like the letter grades. I think those are. I think those are good enough. I, I think that. I think that uh, point systems are kind of arbitrary and ridiculous, and people end up arguing over how every game is a seven or an eight or 
no game is low, no major. Like, I don't really care about game scores. I just care what people, like a simple thumbs up, thumbs down. I think, like, I think the old Roger Ebert style, Siskel, Siskel and Ebert is good. Like, yeah, I think I was, I was talking about that last week as well. I mean, yeah, I wanted just a thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't, that's all I need. I, I want to you know? read the Do article. You that actually, you, almost every game idea. would be a thumbs up then. Do you realize that? Almost every game would be a thumbs up. Because then if it's just thumbs down, some thumbs up, thumbs down, you have a lot more license. You, maybe if you just don't like a game, you just give it a thumbs down. You can, and then you read the review and you, and you see why. Well, the whole point is to read the review. It's not to, to look at a score and then make up your mind based the on a score. The when you have this 10-point score, it's like, oh, it's an 8, so I don't need to read the article now. Yeah, it's, it's either like this is going to be a positive review or this is going to be a negative review. You know, that's, that's what the thumbs up and thumbs down is about. Buy it, rent it, or... Like don't if you're interested in this game, like then you should probably buy it. Or Who if does, you don't care somebody, about somebody game, does that, then... buy it, rent it, or uh, whatever. But don't you want it. a little more nuance? Because most most of the major games that come out get positive reviews. If you think positive is sixty and over, almost all games get the there. nuance needs to be in the review. It shouldn't be in the rating. The new there is no nuance in rating. There is no nuance in rating. So exactly. the thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, if it's not if it's not an actual graphic that says thumbs up, thumbs down. If it's just the tone of the article, that's fine. I'm kind of leaning to not having any kind of scoring system at all. That's also be fine good. Too. Yeah, that's a great yeah. thing. I agree with Tom and ACM on that. They just get caught up with a numbering system, and they and then people end up giving. Lower scores than really a game deserves, just to make a point, just to show that I they didn't like the game. You see higher scores, you know? higher scores too. Is, yeah, it's is ho- higher than see the reverse. You know though, what? It, too. Historically, it's always been higher scores, but lately there has been a, a shift in momentum. Where I, I don't know if a lot of people got together and decided to take back the the the, the grading system and and try to overcompensate, occupy the grading system. We are the ninety nine percent. Well, I think I think what they've been doing is uh, they've been trying to to reinforce the idea that like an eighty eighty five is still a good score, and they've been going out of their way to to not give everything ninety somethings, and a lot of people are flipping out about it. Which I mean, I I don't give half a shit about, but a lot of games are getting eighty somethings, and the people reviewing them are like, "That's a great score. This is a great fucking score, you guys." But after years of establishing that. It's no longer, it is not a great score these days. Like, I, I'm glad that they're trying to bring that back and they're trying to make it a great score. I think there's a big push for that right now. 70 is a but D. 70 is a D, or if not an F, you know. Yeah, that's why the letter thing sucks, because it is based on a number thing, and the number thing doesn't work. The number thing is crazy. It's like. People translate it to that anyway, because that's the frame of reference that everybody has. Like, right, grades. Right, right. But yeah, exactly. The number system translates to the letter system, which it should not. Because then, like, why do you have one through a hundred if only like seventy through a hundred are any good? Like, what's? Are you ever going to grade anything a twenty? Is anything? It's never going to be a twenty. It's going to be like a, a seventy or a sixty, and that means bad. So what or the a fuck? Ten. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference really between a, a game scoring a twenty and a forty? I mean, it's still horrible, but I mean, it's just. I mean, I also hate the ten point. But should forty be horrible? Because fifty's in the middle. Fifty should be the average game. It's like take it, it or leave should, it. Right. Yeah, but but you can't do that. We grew up with the grades that we got in school, and that's, that's what we're true, used to. Yeah. So, so people are just going to see that as in failing. the U.S. Yeah, people are going to see that as a grading system, right? And that's part of the issue. That's why they're looking at eighty-five, and they're like, 
That's almost a C. What? That's why we come back to thumbs up, thumbs down. That's all you fucking need. It just seems to me that if people use that, they'd be more liberated into just giving a thumbs down to games they don't like, because then they don't feel obligated to give it some arbitrary threshold score. At the same time, if you have a game that's kind of borderline, you're not going to recommend it if it's just okay. You know, it's nothing to write home about. I'll play it and I'll put it away and I'll never think about it again. Given that a thumbs down is kind of misleading. But that's that's the point. You give it a thumbs down because you then justify in your article, well, it was all right, but it just didn't. But thumbs it wasn't down great. is bad. This is a binary system where a exactly. lot of games are going to be misclassified. And if you didn't really enjoy it, then it is bad. I think, like, what are, are you grading the actual technical ability of the game, like the game to perform as a game function? You know, just the basic functions of control and everything, or are you? Are you grading how engaging the game itself? I think you like, should always go with that last head on the game pro scale, which is the fun factor. I think that should be your head oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> well, the or last the thing guy that, resting on his hand. Yeah, the last. You no, know, the last. Uh, set, you know, the last criteria that they have on that scale. They've got like graphics, sound. The last one's fun factor. That should be the most important thing. Rarely will graphics or sound be so horrible that. That it'll erase all the fun that you have in a game. I think fun fact fun factor should be the most important thing. That's where the gauge more. of thumb up, thumbs down. You're doing the thumbs up. I like the game. Thumbs down. I didn't like it. That's all it is. But I mean, the graphics, the all that stuff should be. Uh, how would I put it? Like uh, the fun factor is subjective. The other stuff is factual. Like you can say this game has amazing graphics and it looks like they use these effects this is they put this much work into it like you can you cannot argue the fact that something like uncharted looks amazing but do you care do you really care i mean are you really going to spend your money based on that you're going to spend your money based on i'm trying to make a point i don't give a shit but what i'm saying is that you can't you can't argue that a game looks amazing or does not look amazing that's a fact but you can argue if you had fun with the game or not like that's a subjective part of the review it's the fun factor like that's that's what makes a review personal. Like, did you yourself enjoy the game? It's like like if I review a sports game, am I supposed to give it a horrible score because I can't stand playing it because I hate like I, I review like Madden twelve or something. I, I don't give a shit about football at all, and I think the game is garbage and you I would never play it. You have to write for the audience, not what you like. You you have to take into consideration what that's you think. That's the problem. Critics critics should not write for the audience. They write their opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's just right for themselves. Right. And then you align yourself with their opinion or not based on the type of, like, you're like, okay, this person likes this type of Ebert game. Ebert does he not write game. his reviews like what game. his audience is going to want to hear. Yeah. yeah. You know, if Ebert is into a specific, if anybody's into a specific niche heavily, for instance, let's take, let's go back to wrestling. Okay. Professional wrestling games. You got to understand that. Uh, that's kind of a niche thing. A lot, most people won't enjoy that or too much. So if I'm sitting here, and I give every uh, wrestling game the highest marks, and I go, this is great. That's fine. That's fine. But you have to incorporate into your review the fact that you have to get really detailed, and you have to address things that you think are important to other people that aren't necessarily important to you. I don't, let's say I don't care about graphics as much as most people do. But you do have to incorporate that into your review because otherwise you're just writing for yourself. You're just, you know, you're just pleasing yourself. You have to incorporate, you have to realize things. What I do best. (laughs) There's a difference between the best and my favorite. And you have to score on your favorite, but you, you have to understand that there are, like you said, objective things that that or things that most people look for and you should address those otherwise you, if you're just writing for yourself then you you're going to be one of the 
one billion game uh, sites that has just disappeared because people are just trying to be so quirky and uh, idiosyncratic and, you know, be myself and nobody really cares. You're the only one that really cares. So you do have to, you do have to write for an audience. I, I, I disagree. Well, this is part of what GameFan did right, where they had every editor, or not everyone, but at least four different editors chime in on every game uh, on one of the first few pages. Yes. They would just have a, yeah. a mini review of every game. So you kind of get the idea. This person was like, I hate, I hate this kind of game, and this is, I gave it the score. And I think uh, some other magazines also have like a, an alternate point of view. EGM had the review crew, yeah. Yeah, and that's a really good idea because you know what? Like, I understand what you're saying. You do have to keep uh, the general audience in mind. But I really do think a review is going to be heavily influenced by your own personal uh, just likes and dislikes and, and the experience you had playing the game. Because these video games aren't just – it's not a movie. It's not a movie that exists and you can break it down. It's, it's also what you put into it. Like if, if you are the worst player in the world and you try to play Galaxy 2 and you have a really hard time playing, your review might be like, I like the game, but it's, it's – I, I, I don't even know what your review would be. I can't even put myself in the mindset of someone that sucks because I'm so awesome. Well, and it also means when you get into reviews, when you're getting into reading reviews, you kind of need to learn somebody that has a – that is someone that your opinion you usually agree with. I mean that's that's a big thing with the reviews. I know if I'm if I'm interested in some shitty, cheesy horror movie – I'm not going to read an Ebert review on it because he hates that shit. He's going to tear it apart. But I will l- read something like, uh, I don't know, what is that? Slamgoria or something Fangoria? like that. And yeah, something yeah, like that. Okay. And you're going to want to look at... That's a good... That's a Eric, good you have to mispronounce something. Hurry. I'm, I'm sure it'll happen. But I mean, you, you have to... You, I don't think you need to just do this general review. You review for your no, taste. I- yeah, I think you need. I think you need to have your personality in there, or else there's no point to the review. I mean, then it's just a informational fact sheet about a game, and I can make up my own mind about the game. Like I said, I tend to read reviews after I play a game, not before. So I, I guess if it was like the Holiday Buyer's Guide, and you were trying to give me all the features of every game, and this is the only information I had to base but my purchase on. Aren't they all on, buyers' guides? Aren't, isn't that what they're written? Well, some of them are written to be entertaining, but I think there's a difference between reviews and criticism i think like a review does like mizzo says like have to include like how are the graphics how are the sound what's the gameplay like how does this compare to other similar games like that's a good review should cover all those things so you have some idea of what you're getting into but i think criticism like a like a critic of like a criticism of a game can get into more like individual things like that but but oftentimes i think reviews try to be critic like reviewers try to be critics and they sort of get caught up in criticism, well, and they fail to review the actual game. Um, so okay. it's yeah, it's kind of a hard balance, I guess. Well, you know what? You're right. Those two things have not been separated in the game industry. That's true, Those two yeah. things are one and the same, and that's a very good point yeah. because I, I tend to think of them as I would prefer to read uh, at just from a level. I enjoy the, the the hobby. I enjoy what I do, and I already make up my own mind about what to purchase. So I would much more enjoyed to read a criticism of an existing game than I would a review because that's giving me information I really don't care about. I don't care about factual information. I could find that myself. I do care about what a specific personality thought about a specific game. That is far more interesting to me. So those two things are very separate, but you're absolutely right in that they're not separate in the game industry. And it, people try to juggle back and forth between the two, and it's maybe that's it's, what's causing it. And it's a hard balance, yeah, because you want people to 
to go to your website and you want to have a, you know, you want publishers to send you games so that you'll be able to review them. So you have all these competing pressures going on. So it's hard to maintain a good I, I haven't really found a site that, that I like as far as personalities. I, there are two sites <clears throat> that I avoid because I don't like the, the writing on them because, and, and I, I think you might be able to guess based on things I've said in the, in the past. TNL? No, TNL. No, it's IGN and Destructoid. I don't like those sites. I don't think their writing is enjoyable. And I think they, uh, one site tries too hard, which is Destructoid. One, one site doesn't try hard enough, which is IGN. Cause every time I see, it seems every time I read an IGN review, I feel like an idiot has written it or somebody that I just don't relate to that person. Do you remember when they were IGN 64? Why are their reviews so they goddamn long? They had a lot of heart long. back then. When it was IGN 64, I used to read that shit all the time. And all they talked about were N64 games. They were like two out. And they kept talking about those two games, but they were really good. And then I guess they just became incredibly corporate at this point and have lost anything, any kind of heart they might one, have had, any kind of soul the site might have had. One website that I really miss is the GIA, the Gaming Intelligence Agency. Um, they, they did some great reviews, mostly on JRPGs, but. What was good about their reviews? Um, again, they were, they were, they were well written. They were insightful. They were. Um, I don't have a lot of like specific examples um for you, but most of the people who were associated with that website just sort of moved on to other things. They were or were not afraid to do things like criticize Final Fantasy VII for being derivative in a lot of different ways, and um, you know, and they just uh, did a good amount of reviews on a wide variety of games. Yeah, you do. You do definitely have to look for for a voice. And, and try to follow that. But I do think that you also want to, in those instances where you disagree with the person, um, you want a reviewer to cover things outside of just the things he's interested in because, uh, you do, you are providing a service for people. You know, they're clicking around. They could be on a million other sites. So you do want to make a person's time worthwhile. So yeah, there is, there is a balance to strike there. Just like there is a balance with review. You should review, review outside scores. of what you like, but that doesn't mean you have to give it a good score. That doesn't mean you have to like it. You, you need don't have to, to add points because yeah. you think it deserves to in terms of the general public. Like I don't know, like when it comes to like a wrestling thing, the fact that you're playing a wrestling game already implies a hell of a lot about you. All negative, by the way. But I mean, it's it's already saying that you're a fan of the genre. I doubt anybody that doesn't give a shit about wrestling, like me. Would never even review. pick up a wrestling game and be like, let me play this wrestling game with these amazing superstars, like a guy with a regular name and the guy that wears jeans. Let me play this really exciting new property. It's like, no, nobody gives a shit. You know these people and you somehow, somehow manage to care about them or you don't. And that's it. Well, for that, at least. Same thing with football, in my eyes. You either care about the sport or you don't. And if you don't care about the sport, you would never touch a football game. Why would you? Are they fun somehow? I mean, maybe Blitz. Maybe Blitz. Yeah, there's there's so much more to talk about. But hey, you know what? We do one of these every week, so we can we can yeah. get to it eventually. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's move on to what we've been playing and uh, and wrap this up. And uh, Eric, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, sure. Like, um, I know that we did a Bioware podcast like three or four weeks ago, but um, I've been playing Bioware games all this week pretty much. I love Bioware. Yeah, yeah. So I started actually I'll, I'll preface this by saying I got the first time I played the original Mass Effect. I was kind of turned off by it because I think I I did some wrong things with my character. I'll come back to that. And I sort of 
stopped playing after like three hours, just got bored with it. And I, I just Is this got... in your imagination you were doing some wrong things? You couldn't do anything wrong in Mass Effect. <laughs> just bear with me. Bear with me, okay? So anyway, I, I picked up Dragon Age Origins just because I wanted to check it out. I heard like I heard a lot what of a great game about it. PC. So as long as you're playing the PC version, yeah, it's great. It's pretty different. Hater here's gonna hate it, but it's it okay. really is anyway. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I, I, it's a lot like Knights of the Old Republic. It it maintains a lot of that style of game. It's, it almost seems like the same engine with like slightly enhanced graphics. Um, I picked the uh, the city elf beginning. I'm a city elf rogue. I'm a I'm like a lesbian city elf rogue who's out to murder every human that she can get her hands on. And um, so far, it's pretty awesome. I like Story the characters. Of my life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the characters are really nice. I like the role playing aspects of it. I like how there's six different origin stories you can begin with, and there's all kinds of like role playing moments. It's like it's like a game run by like a pretty good D and D DM. That's what the story sort of feels like. It's like a little bit generic, but it's it's pretty well written. And there's lots of codex entries, kind of like in Mass Effect, that I enjoy reading. But like so far, I'm 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 out of Ostagar, and I just got Morgan into my party, and um, kind of disappointed to find out that I can't initiate a lesbian ro- romance with her. But I don't know. Yeah, speaking of doing wrong things to your character, I did some wrong things to Morgan, but nice. <laughs> it was in the privacy of my own bathroom. Dark oh, magic. Oh my. <laughs> so um. <laughs> So yeah, enjoying that. Definitely enjoy the uh, flexibility it gives you with creating characters. There's lots of different specializations you can do, and um, so definitely like that. It's a def- it's a good change of pace too from Dark Souls, which I've played like two two hundred hours of at this point. So are you I like fi- that. are you finding that there is a, too much dialogue or not enough dialogue? I think or just it's about I right? think it's just about right. Um, at first, do you listen to it or do you read it and keep sometimes sometimes I listen through. to it. Um, but I, you know, I, I like being able to skip through it pretty easily. Um, so yeah, so far pretty happy with the dialogue. Even the characters that I don't really like, like Alistair, like he's he's still kind of like humorous. He's, you can fuck him over if you really <laughs> want. So keep that in mind. You can really fuck I'm him over. I'm looking forward to time. being able to do that. So yeah, that'll be nice. So I was I was happy with the Dragon Age. So I decided to go back into Mass Effect and. I picked it up again after I traded it in a while ago, and um, I restarted my character. I, I started out as an, il- infil- an infiltrator, as a male shepherd infiltrator, and I didn't really like the way my character was going, so I started off as a female vanguard. And yes, it is, yes, that's the way totally to go. That is awesome. the correct choice. Yeah, so far it's just I'm like a close, com- close combat powerhouse. I just like run into people and I do the throw biotics. Just like knock them all over the place and kill people with a shotgun. It's great. I really enjoy it. And I, there's so many things about it though that I still hate, even though I'm really enjoying the game now. I mean, this, the design of it is just so bad. I mean, the, it sort of feels like they they had almost like two different teams working on this game. They had the people who were working on Knights of the Old Republic, and they had that whole idea of like the radial menu where you put all your powers together, and they figured, okay, yeah, we'll add all these powers, and you can just select them from the radial menu. And then they had this other team that was designing this kind of interesting, like, you know, real-time, like, tactics-based shooter um, game. And, you know, they didn't really come together and figure, like, let's figure out an uh, intelligent way to map your powers to your buttons so that you can use more than one at the same time. Like, there's like really no way to do that. 
you stop time and you tell everyone what well, to do. Well, you can do yeah, that, pretty but much, it goes. Yeah. Isn't that That's Bioware, what you're supposed to do. Generally? Yeah. That's every game they've made. Well, how do you how do you even switch from one character to another? You can't do that. They're on the wheel. What are you talking about? <laughs> like like you you hold down the R, you hold down the R so button. So if you go you to their powers, you can actually like you can actually manually control that character. Is that what you're telling me? Well, yes, you can genius. you can't manually move them around. You can See, tell that's them what I'm to talking about. use you this power. You can't do that. Like every no, other so what? Every but other bio. You don't have game. to move them. You just have to highlight. Like you you focus on you like you look at a dude while time is stopped. And you pick one of their abilities. Then you look at another dude, and you pick another well, yeah, guy's abilities. I, I under- and you look at the third dude, and you pick I your own abilities. I understand how that like, works. Why happen. can't I just use the bumper buttons to switch to the character that I want to use and use that person? Because power. you're Shepard. You you're faster. not playing you're as these other characters. You're Shepard. Well, still, every other Bioware game that I played has the ability to like switch from one character to another and give that person commands, and then switch to another character and stop time, like Dragon well, Age. You but that's because that, their other you games even were... Have to switch. You can do it without switching. They were Baldur's Gate space. They were more Baldur's Gate. This one tries to be more of an action game, and you have your character. It's just You're not going to pause, lay out, move around. And also, like, apparently, if you want to hack something, like, it, it, it appears that, like, again, you can't switch to the character who's good at hacking in order to hack something. You just... As long as you just there, yeah, you're, you're okay. you walk up to them and then you I guess you use the accumulated tech knowledge of your characters in order to hack something. You use the highest yeah. stat. It's it's weird. Like I like I couldn't figure that out. Like it's the same thing, except you're not switching characters. It's the same thing is happening. The same things are happening. You're just not switching characters. I think it's set up poorly. I don't think it just works get on to well. Mass Effect Two. Yeah. It's a better game anyway. Well, I'm I'm waiting to finish it up so that I can get past all the shitty sections where I have to roll around the planets on the Mako and discover all that. I'm, the I'm Mako just was the so worst thing on the map. Took that out for Mass Effect Two, and I, I can't understand why people complain about how like oh all these great RPG elements were in Mass Effect One and they took them out and they made the game more like Gears of War, and I yeah. like. <laughs> the, the, the combat parts are the but best. But they made parts it a better game. game, and they yeah, really did by focusing on yeah, that. They could have gone both ways. They could have they could have fixed their shitty inventory. They could have fixed uh, the fact that weapons are just better than old weapons. They could have had different types of weapons for different types of situations, which they kind of do with the heavy weapons at least. And like they could have fixed all the systems, or they could have thrown them on the trash. And that's what they ended up doing. Yeah, they f- they and, fixed, I mean, you know what? It worked. Fixed in the, the end. Good, I'm not they fixed complain, the good but, stuff. They threw away the the shitty stuff and so i like i've been intentionally not reading a lot of stuff about mass effect 2 but i had to do watch one of the uh, preview videos that happened to be th- for the vanguard and it showed like all the awesome powers that you can get in mass effect 2 and i'm just so charge excited. yes charge was... <laughs> over and over and over again if you play if you play mass you effect 2 you, you 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 have to finish one before you move on you're not going to be able to go back they're yeah. very different very, very different. But yeah, I'm totally into it. I'm, I'm totally converted into uh, being a Mass Effect We've fan talked now, about Mass so. Effect in every podcast, and I'm, a- I'm actually restarting Mass Effect 2 this coming week, so for the foreseeable future, we will be talking about this series. Oh yeah, and then 3 comes out, and oh in my gosh. In a couple of weeks, yeah. This will be the Mass Effect podcast, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> it's a good thing. And also, finally, I've been finishing up, um, I think I'm at the end of East 1. Um, I've gotten to one of the, like an, another annoying part with the, uh, no, actually I just got past, I think the last annoying bit with the mirrors in the Darm tower. And I think I'm pretty close to the end boss. Okay. And, um, 
Again, loving yeah, it. It's a great game. Kind of it's annoying. a great remake on the PSP. Really enjoying it. Looking forward to playing the other East games. So, you're you're an East sender. Oath of Felghana is really uh, fucking good. Yes, really I, good. I, have that right I cannot here. wait I to get into it that. Yet. It's hard as shit, which is the best part about it. That's that's my week. All right, thank you, Eric. Uh, Jonathan, what have you been playing? I haven't been able to play much because I was busy with the move. Last game I played was Binding of Isaac. Still an amazing game. Of the... Is this a replay? Are you just playing a tape from your last game? <laughs> well, I'm at the point now where I've already already beaten the game with a couple of the characters in there, including the, the one that you unlock when you uh, fully beat the game, which is... Um, well, in the game, is it's he's uh, known as Question Mark, but we just call him Blue Baby because that's what he looks like, and... Um, I was able to even beat the game we? with him. So. Who is we? Is that a royal Jonathan we? Jonathan has the it's Venom like, costume. It's Jonathan and Trilosaur, the two people that play Binding of Isaac on, on the planet. That's the way. Oh my god. You guys should really play Binding of Isaac. Yeah, well, they should really make it work with my gamepad, and then I'll think about it. It, it. works <laughs> with the gamepad. God. Oh I'll god. send you, I'll email you the configuration file. So you don't even have to bind the keys. Nope. Sorry. Still not playing it. Anyway. So, been playing that. It's, it's, it's great, despite what Mizzo says. Don't listen to him. And uh, so, and I, and then the other thing I want to talk about has it's not a game, but it's game related. Uh, Jordan Mechner uh, released his uh, uh, diary uh, of what he made uh, when he made Prince of Persia, called oddly enough, the making of Prince of Persia. It's, so it's basically just like a whole bunch of journal entries that he wrote while he was making uh, Prince One and Two. I uh, got the Kindle edition. Pretty good, eight bucks. Uh, the only thing that sucks is that, like, at the at the start of each chapter, he has like a page of, I guess, like the design doc for Prince of Persia, but it doesn't look that good on the yeah. Kindle screen. But, but I mean, I mean, you could probably like open it up on a PDF uh, on your computer if, if you if you need to see that design doc that that bad. But otherwise, for eight dollars, it's great. I mean, some of the interesting interesting things that he revealed was that the guy was trying to uh, be a screenwriter. At, at the same time that he was making Prince of Persia, and which was crazy, because like it, he was basically a one-man team in Prince of Persia, and he would like work at Border Bond, and then like he would take off for like weeks at a time Border to go to L.A. Bond. to to uh, like that is, that is pretty that amazing. <laughs> yeah, he would go to L.A. and like t- talk with these Hollywood types to get his uh, 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 movies made, but. That didn't work out, and so he's like, "Well, I'd better go back to uh, finishing <laughs> Prince of Persia." So. <laughs> I'm gonna finish the game. Um, uh, that and was that game. was a great game. Yeah, it, yes, it really was. It really was. Two was awesome too. Two was great, yeah. although yeah. the the thing that I was kind of disappointed with the book was that he started talking less about like he didn't go into much detail into Prince Two because he was more of a designer, like he didn't code. Or do the artwork. Like, he would come in um, every once in a while as, like, a consultant to, like, fix up the game. Like sunglasses and a leather jacket. What was interesting, though, is that, like, near the near the end of the, the book, he started talking about, like, he, like, at this point, he had a lot of money. So he, like, bought a place in Paris. And he was making movies over there while he was kind of working on Prince, too. So it didn't go too much into the game development. So, but otherwise, highly recommend it if you're, if you have... Even the slightest interest of Prince of Persia, I recommend getting the making of Prince of Persia. And uh, that's it on my end. Sounds I'll good. probably grab that. Yeah. 
They could have done a better title than that, right? That's really. Like yeah, it's yeah. a good thing it was better at game design than he was at naming books. <laughs> Maybe that's why he couldn't sell a fucking movie. <laughs> Dramatic movie. But... <laughs> All right, Corey. What have you been playing? Well, I finished up Resident Evil Res- Revelations, which <gasps> was wonderful. And uh, I started playing the raid mode of it, which, yeah, I, I, you guys really need to get this game because I want to play raid mode with everyone because it's really fun. Okay. It's like raid mode is essentially you have small sections of each level and you have to get through it alive. You have to get to the end. There's a gold coin you kick at the end that you you win. And... What it, throughout the level, there's all these different monsters that show up, and there are varying levels. You get experience points, kind of like a RPG, and you level up. The monsters are different levels. Like I'm on the third level. The monsters have been between level two and level four, and some of them are like faster. Some of them are mini. Some of them have speed bonus. Some of them have defense bonus. They, it's kind of neat. It's really fun. And uh, this is online. It is just... online. It actually. It actually works online. Do you need like friend codes or how no? Does it work? You can actually do random people online. You can play with your friends, or you can play with people around you, or you can play just online random people. It actually works. It's probably the first time on a Nintendo system I can think of good online on a game ever. Monster Hunter Try had pretty good online. I, I so said just a good. Thing. I said good. good. <laughs> it does have good online. Uh, okay, okay. It's the first good game with good online. All right. Talking to Mizzo about Monster Hunter is like talking to Tom Cruise about Scientology. <laughs> just forget it right now. I'm just saying the online is good. I didn't say the game was good. But anyway, And also, I picked up a Circle Pad Pro, got it off Nintendo.com to avoid you. GameStop. Oh. And, Idiots. you know, I played through the whole game without the Circle Pad. It played fine. It was okay. Yep. It's so much better with the circle pad. I don't want it to makes that. a huge fucking difference. I did not mind it without I need it. to take off the Nyko battery. I need to, you know, like plug in that stupid piece of shit thing just to play one game and then take it off again when I go to play another game. It's like I don't know. You know what this. makes it better? Not even the extra Nothing. the extra stick. The the R and L triggers that are bigger, that are like a proper PlayStation R and L triggers are well, so Corey, much better to use. You. Can you still reach the face buttons? You can. You don't really when use them. Using... You'll tap them. You tap them to reload and to use your herbs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you do use it sometimes. But yeah, you can just reach over and tap it. It's not too far. Okay, so you can still comfortably. I I thought for a second that maybe you couldn't reach those buttons, the face buttons anymore. Oh god, and you no. were just using the L and R, L two and R two new buttons. No, you, know? you can take your finger off the stick and tap those easily. Okay. It's it's a short distance still, and it. I mean, I I thought it was going to be worthless too. I really, I just bought it for shits and giggles just to try it out. You thought it was worth twenty dollars? That's what you thought. It was twenty bucks. It. What the fuck? Um, why not? Why not? So, and it, it really it makes such a difference. The, the game it's perfectly playable without it, but with it, it, it's a significantly better game. Especially like raid mode, where you actually get into the really challenging fights and things like that with the mo- masses of monsters. It makes all the difference. Well, does it change? I mean, does it change the game com- considerably? Like, do you act, can you move? You and can shoot move at the same time? and shoot. Yes. So it turns into like Resident Evil Five compared to like the first person aiming that the sing- that the regular game has. Kind of. Well, I mean, it, yes and no. I mean, Resident Evil Five move and shoot was not very good. This actually, and it's still kind of slower. But you, yeah, you can actually move and shoot. I mean, in the main game, yeah, it might make it a little easier. I think. Uh, because it's kind of designed more for the controls, but for raid mode, you really need it. They start, they just start mobbing you with so many monsters at once coming at you that 
you need to have it. I mean, if you're going to do well in raid mode and get through all, there's like 30 stages, 20 something, 20 or 30 something stages in raid mode. If you're going to get through them all, you need it. Also, how does it hook up? Like, what plugs into what exactly? Nothing plugs into work? anything. That Nothing actually surprised pl- so, me. You just so that's what it needs the batteries for. Yes, to put out kind some of, kind of crazy wireless because signal? it's if you look at if you look at your 3ds on the upper left hand set side, there's a little IR okay. thing right by the L trigger. And yeah, well, there's, while you look for it. Yeah, it. <laughs> just just look at that, and that that IR signal goes into the circle pad. There's another little IR thing on the circle pad. So you just slip your 3DS in there, and it's kind of got rubber to kind of hold it in so it doesn't fall out. And then those two IRs link up. That's it. That's kind of interesting. It, it, I was surprised, actually. I was expecting something to plug garbage, into something. Though. But you try huh. one. Try one out. I, I guarantee you nope. will buy one shortly Sorry. afterwards. You know what? Maybe I promise you. <laughs> maybe if something else comes out. You know, if if we get Monster Hunter... Oh god! 3G. For Monster Hunter, he'll buy I'll it for fucking it. Monster Hunter. Yeah, that's. I just it. need one other game where where the Circle Pad Pro. Would, but you know, nobody like right now. It's for Resident Evil Five, and that's it. Yeah, and it's gonna segment the market like every fucking Nintendo peripheral has ever done in the past. And now, are people gonna support it hardcore? Like, is the next game coming out gonna be like Circle Pad Pro? I hope. I hope, I hope so. At that I hope point, it doesn't become I'll be that forced way. To buy one. Yeah, I mean, it really. My hands do not feel like claws after trying to fucking play the 3DS with this. It's it's so comfortable. It really makes it better. But it doesn't work with anything else. I know. It doesn't it's work. Sad. You can't play Mario Kart with it. Like you you physically cannot play Mario Kart while that thing is plugged in. You can. Yeah. You just the stick won't work because it it doesn't plug in. I mean, you could have your 3DS sitting in it at all times. No, 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 but have you tried playing an older game? Yeah, it doesn't... Struggle Pad Pro? Because it just... You turn it on with the IR link. Like, you go into Resident Evil and you say, okay, turn on the circle pad, and it turns it on. No, no, I... I but, oh, okay. yeah, it doesn't... But doesn't it cover up the other buttons, and then these buttons, no. the new buttons, don't work? Not at all. Because they're not. No. L and R? Really? L and R is still open. I mean, you'd have to reach for the R a little bit, but no, not too bad. It is doable. Okay, I don't believe it. <laughs> it is perfectly doable. <laughs> you can do it. You're breaking down the the mizzle wall of refusal. A little bit, a little bit. I'll have to think about it. You'll get Resident Evil, then you'll get it because you'll decide. Oh, I want to try it with it. And um, so, so yeah, I finished that up. It's really great. I wish you guys, some of you, would get Resident Evil so I can play raid mode with y'all because it's really fun. And then the rest of the time, I just started this weekend playing the shit out of Alan Wake because the PC version finally came out. And holy shit, this game is great. Why, why did nobody ever tell me this before? That's not, I kind of skipped it. I did want to go back and play it. I just haven't really thought about it too much. It's really good. It's like about a writer? Yeah, it's... Writing about a writer, writing about a writer, writing about... <laughs> Essentially. I mean, the main character is Stephen King. I mean, the, the, it's a blatant, like, this is supposed to be Stephen King. Do you get hit by a car at the end? <laughs> yes, you get hit <laughs> by a car in the end. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's yeah, it's got a kind of a cool story. It's kind of like uh, I would say, you know, type of the the dark half Stephen King books and that stuff. Yeah, he's writing about things that are happening, and he keeps finding the pages about things he wrote about the things that are happening. But it's a cool story. The combat is so so. The combat's not great, but that's kind of the point. It's not supposed to be really good combat. Um, but the light and the dark of it is really cool. It's really. It's it's well acted. Most of the voice actors I really enjoy. Most of the characters, are, it's well written. I mean, it's a remedy game, so it's the guys that made Max Payne one and two, which I also thought were really good. And 
I really, I'm, I'm almost, I'm about four chapters in, I think, out of six, so I'm getting close to getting done. I'm really liking it and looking forward to finishing it and hoping to God that they do make a actual Alan Wake 2, because I'm looking at this thing that's coming out in the future and it's like a... DLC? Yeah, it's like a, just a kind of a shitty DLC game that sounds like crap. It sounds like it's more action-based than the original game, which seems weird. Yeah, that's... Because that's, that's not why you would play Alan Wake. That's the thing, yeah. The, the action was is the worst part about Alan Wake. I mean, that that's... You don't play it for the combat, because the combat is pretty shitty. Does it like detract, cool. though, from the, how fun the game would be, though? I mean, if the... I mean, you say, like, the combat so-so is like, well, is it going to be terrible playing this game because of the... No, it's, it's more like a Silent Hill type of thing, where you're not... You're not you're not a fucking super decked out, you know, strong bro dude in armor. Like, you're just a guy. So it sucks in that you're not incredibly overpowered, which is what you're used to, but it doesn't suck in terms of the game. Yeah, it doesn't ruin the game. It's just, it's not very good, but it's not something you need to have good. You, Yeah, Silent Hill is hor- horrible combat also, but that's the point. And this one, I guess the one issue I have with the combat, the biggest problem I keep running into is there's... There's times that the game decides it wants you to kill, like, the three or four guys that are coming at you. There's other times when the game decides it's going to spawn infinite guys and you just need to run to the next spot. But there's no fucking signal that this is an infinite spot. You waste spot. a bunch of ammo yeah, you, figuring out You're sitting here exactly fighting these the fucking works. guys yeah. over and over again. You're like, well, I guess maybe I'll try running to the next. Oh, yeah, that did it. They're all gone now. And there's no signal of that. That That is a big problem. Because you just don't know. Because half the time it's just there's three or four enemies, kill them, and then, it's, then they're cleared out and you can wander wander freely again. Is it like a resource game where you uh, run low on ammo and stuff? No, not at all. Um, there's there's plenty of ammo. It's set up like episodes, which is kind of cool, actually. It's it's like a, it's supposed to be like a TV show episode-wise, and it actually works really well. And between each episode, you lose all your ammo and guns and everything. So it restarts every time. So you don't worry about having lots of ammo and stuff. You use it freely. You know it's going to be gone as soon as this episode is done. Okay, that's not so bad. Yeah, so it's not a big problem with running out of ammo, but it is one of those. Yeah, I mean it's one of those games that it's it's really good. It's not great, but it is a lot of fun. And man, if they made a proper sequel to it, it could be really really great. Was that a 360 exclusive for a while? It was. Or is that also on PS3? Yeah. Okay. It was 360 exclusive. Oh, so there you go. That's that's one other game they have that I never think about. Exactly. Alan Wake. Well, get the PC version now that it's out. The PC version is 29 bucks, which I don't know. Maybe the P- 360 version is cheaper now, but it's I'm so conflicted. I don't I have a 360 controller, so I could easily play on the PC or I could play with the mouse and keyboard or whatever. Well, I'm playing with the controller. I, I just, the mouse and keyboard controls are pretty shitty. It's designed I don't, for the I controller. Mean, I, I like playing games for the system that they were initially designed for. Even if a better version comes out in some kind of improved way on another console, I would still almost rather play the original that was made, usually. I don't know why. I mean, it depends on the game. Um, like this one, it's... Remedy always planned on making a PC version. It was just Microsoft gave them a shitload of money to make it a PC ex- or a Xbox exclusive for a while, and they said... Okay. <laughs> a lot of the, the the diehard Remedy fans got pissed off that they sold out to Microsoft. It's like, fuck you. Microsoft oh, yeah, gives you a shitload of money. Are you kidding me? Okay, yeah. fuck. We'll we'll hold off the PC version a while. I don't fucking care. It's, it's dumb. But that's why it was Xbox exclusive. But this was always planned to come out. They just finally got around to bringing it out. Um, 
I don't know. I I never played the Steam? Xbox. It is on Steam. It's dirt cheap. So there will be a Steam sale. And that's then I will also get true. It at yes. ridiculous prices. So that's probably gonna that's happen. probably the way to go. But it's you play with the Xbox pad. The the keyboard mouse control is not very good. It's designed for the for the for the Xbox pad. It works really well with it. Um, I don't know graphic wise. I'm assuming it looks better than the Xbox version does. I never played the Xbox yeah, it version. It has to kind of at this point. Yeah. So I don't know for sure, but. It does actually look really good. The lighting effects especially are great. The music is amazing. It's it, They've got, like, the end of every episode has a theme song to it. And there's just been some great, there's been, like, oh, I can't even remember the names of some of the bands. But there's just, I, I, yeah. If I could think of the names of the bands off the top of my head. But they kind of blend together. But they, they've been really good, like, ending theme songs. Oh, there's been a, there's been a, Roy Orbison was one of them. Poe was another one. I mean, it's been really good songs at the end of each episode that I actually sit through the credits just to you know, listen to the song and before the next credit or the next episode. Um, the PC version actually comes with both the DLCs, which is also nice. So you get the signal and the writer included with the package. So don't have to worry about that. Um, hoping to finish it up soon and yeah, see how it is. I hear, I guess people say that the ending is bad. That's the rumors I've heard. I don't know. We'll see when I actually get there. I mean, I might end up liking it while everyone else hates it. That does happen sometimes. Thank you, Corey. Uh, I've been playing only one game <laughs> this week, and it's only in the last 24 hours or so. I uh, I played and beat The Darkness 2, which uh, is that? I found out. I, I looked Better I or looked worse than one? Slightly not as good as one. Slightly. Uh, um, it's a very short game. I hear, you know, I always take about twice as long as every as most other people in beating a game because I'm very meticulous and I talk to everybody twice or three times. So I I've been seeing that a lot of people are beating this game in four to six hours, oh, some Jesus. in six six wow. to eight hours. I uh, took me eleven and a half hours, but the thing is, a lot of that was really artificially padded game time. Um, the Darkness is based on a comic book. It's about a mafioso who has some ancient power that he unlocks around his 21st birthday, something that's that's uh, been handed down in his family. It's kind of in their system. It's a demonic presence. Red and, tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> yes, essentially. And you actually you can actually quad wield. Um, you you have your guns in each hand, and then you have two huge. Um, demon arms with with heads on the ends of them that you also control you control all this with the shoulder Whoa. buttons and you you can grab um in this i think it was slightly different in the first one but in this one you grab with the tentacle on the left and you can also throw things you can impale people by throwing poles at them you can pick up all kinds of objects and throw them um and then with the right arm you do kind of the right demon arm you do kind of a different slashing attacks and the the kills in this are very gory very you still eat hearts you eat hearts to get yes. to get points to unlock more powers and you can decapitate people there's a there's one called wishbone where you kind of grab uh, a leg in each demon arm and you pull the guy apart and this is all very very quickly done you know you're you're, you're just a machine of death in this game it's much more of a first-person shooter feel t- this time than there was in the first one. It's it's 
not on rails, of course, but you cannot wander around like you could in the first game. You kind of just go from, you hit your spots, you do what you're supposed to do, you move on to the next part of the story. Um, it's very linear, very, very linear, which is one of the reasons it's not as good as the first game. The art style is now looks like a comic book. It looks like you're reading a comic book. Um, it's a lot less realistic than, than the first game was. The, um, the lead character is redone. The lead character in the first game, which is the same, it's the same character, but the way that he was portrayed in the first game, which was made by a different developer, he, he just had a very unique look to him. He looked like a real actor. Like, he, he just looked like a person, you know? I thought you were going to say asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a real asshole. He did have a ponytail. Is Patton but, back? That's the, that's the key question. Is Mike yeah, Patton back? Yeah, Mike Patton is back. He's doing, he does the voice of the darkness, but he does it a little differently this time. And this is another reason why it's not as good as the first. He, I don't know if they told him to put more inflection in or to, to, but he does think he like puts, more higher pitched parts in. He tries to give it a little more, not emotion, but a little more variety in the emotion. When, when the darkness is screaming at you, don't do this or join me or whatever. He, it just, it doesn't work quite as much as it did in the first one. It doesn't sound as evil. It sounds, it sounds a little more goofy and low rent. That's too bad. Um, than in the first one. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a short game. What they do in this one is, they did this in the first one too, but it's, it's terrible in this one. You can talk to someone literally, I'm not kidding, 20, 30 times. And they will just, if you just keep pressing X to talk, they will just give you like one liners and things one after the other, after the oh other. My God. And I, of course, listened to all of them, oh God. which added like an, at least an hour, I would think. Don't do that. <laughs> but so, it's some of them are kind of funny. Some other, some of the jokes are kind of funny and they're worth listening to, but there are one or two characters that really got annoying because I wanted to listen to that. I said, well, let me, I'm going to listen to everything he has to say. I listen to everybody else, but it's just, it's stuff that you would keep like maybe in a blooper reel or something at the end or some extra that you unlock. Just don't put it in the game, you know, because of course you don't really have to listen to it, but it just, it just takes you out of the game when they just keep cracking all these jokes one after the other. Um, graphic violence. There's, uh, some pretty suggestive sexual content in there. It just very short. Well, anytime you have a game with tentacles. Of it. What's that Japanese developed though? There, there's a, I don't think this is a big spoiler, I think, uh, cause this happens like two hours into the game, but there's a side story where you, you wait, you know, the character who, who's this big, rich, powerful guy, he wakes up in a mental hospital and there everyone all the characters that he knows from the darkness storyline are in this mental hospital either working there or as patients there and the game is making you wonder is the whole darkness thing just fake is this really a mental patient whose dreams we're playing through and it really really keeps you wondering you it starts to get to it starts to make more sense that he's a mental patient it's just it's just feels better that he's a mental patient than it does than he's this you know he's like in his early 20s he's the head of the mafia he has the powers of the darkness it seems so silly you go wait That's a minute obviously a cliche, this guy's crazy what that whole story thing it's not like cliched it's very cliche. There's a, there's a few things that have done the whole, yeah, I is mean, this really happening or is the Sanitarium do it best? Oh, oh, that part? Oh. Well, no, I'm not talking about video games. I'm talking about stories in general. No, the, the whole mafia thing is cliched, you know, where yeah. no, the, you're I mean, the 20 years old and you're heading the mafia. I'm surprised about that. 
Well, you know, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Since something like Pan's Labyrinth, which you can watch and you at the end of the movie, you don't know if this girl was imagining things or if it was real. You just you can sit there and argue convincingly on both sides. With this, I think they kind of ruined it at the end because even though there are two endings, they pretty much make it clear. I, I wish they had kind of kept it more open and because I know there's probably going to be a Darkness 3, but they pretty much, you know, let you know one way or the other. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say about it? It was all happening in a snow globe, right? No, nice. I, no, I don't think that was it. I don't think that was it. But it's it's a good game. If you, I would have to say, if you're short on money, either wait for this to go to bargain bin or get it as a rental. It is an, a very very good rental. It, you will be very happy with this as a rental. It's uh, if you even if you rush through it. The story and the game are very good. The voice acting is very is very good. Not excellent, but it's good. And there's a lot of satisfying action. You can do a lot of things. You can you will not unlock all your skills in the first playthrough. There's no way. So, um, you can send swarms of bees after people. You can throw black holes that will are suck they evil people bees? in. They are uh, they're antisocial. Dogs that bark bees. I don't know if they're <laughs> if they're evil or not. Dogs are shit it's, it's a very good rental. There is a multiplayer yeah. mode I have not touched yet, and it's online multiplayer. It's a campaign, so I think that adds another couple hours of gameplay. And then you you know you play on the there's a new game plus that you can play through. So they they really tried. Uh, in this case, if we were going by the thumbs up thumbs down that Corey was talking about earlier, this is one of the things that I this is why one reason I would have a problem with that system because this is a thumbs up. This is a good game. But you okay. would really have That's to read it. the review. There we you go. You're done. That's it. Wrap it no up. <laughs> but Don, you're 60 bucks. No, but you would really have uh, to read the review to bucks. say, okay. however, yeah. it's very short. So if that's going to annoy you, or if you're not the kind of person that plays through two or three times to get all the skills and to, to exp- you know, to play on a harder difficulty, you might not want to get this. But otherwise, it's good. Maybe make the thumbs like different different saturations of color. Like, oh God! It's like a no. it's like a real <laughs> saturations of color. <laughs> All right, I don't know. We'll go with the three. It's the it's the buy it, rent it, or toss it in the trash. That there you go. That sounded like that sounded like an eighty nine point six to me from what Nick was saying. <laughs> You're very perceptive. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to give it, but um, by well by this time by the time you hear this, we'll know. I finished Valkyrie Profile. I think I talked about a lot about that last week, but I finally beat it. So that's a huge weight on my shoulders. Been there for years. It's one and of my years. Fa- one of my that's favorite done. endings, definitely. It was a good game. It was, it was a great again, ending. I'm, I'm so surprised that the story uh, was not the generic JRPG direct. No, I'm used totally to. not. And uh, it it actually came together, and it left a lot. It's like you're coming into the middle of the yeah. story. Like things happened before the game started, and things are gonna continue to happen, and they don't really tell you about it. So it's kind of it's like a, in the prequel. Like, it's like, it's like if you played through Empire Strikes Back, you know? It's kind of weird. So I guess Silmeria kind of covers a little bit more of that story in, in the past, but it's kind of Silmeria interesting. Silmeria never finished, but um, yeah, it just didn't have that same quality that I liked, I guess. But yeah, I, at some point I'm gonna break out the PS2 and finish it. Yeah. I'll definitely go through Silmaria. I gotta. I mean, I'm sure it's like five bucks. And then Covenant, of the, Covenant of the Plume is totally different. You play a human. You play like I do have that here. I have a human who's like trying to kill the Valkyries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. And you can. And you're supposed to like betray and kill your teammates to get yes, stronger. Yes, yes. And you work for you work for Hell. You work for the goddess Hell. H E L. 
did Triace make that third one, The Covenant of the Plume? Yeah, or not? they did. I, I'm pretty they sure they did. They made Samaria, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, don't quote me on so that. So yeah, so I, I, that's, I finished those up and then I played Secret Agent Clank. We don't need to talk about it. It's just, it's, it's not like, very good. <laughs> it's not, it's not very good. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's okay. You know what? It's, it's fun and it's all right. I love Ratchet and Clank. Daxter was better. So I played and like, okay, I have Daxter here sitting around. I haven't tried it yet, but I played, a, I love Ratchet and Clank. I played one, two, and three on PS2. I never played that lock because it looked weird. Then I played the PSP Ratchet and Clank, uh, Size Matters, and it, it felt like a, it's exactly what you would expect a handheld game to be like. It's like a not quite as good version as the console version. And this kind of continues. That I think it's the same developer as Size Matters, which is not Insomniac. Yeah, it was not Insomniac. And, uh, it's like Hot, hot Something. I can't remember right now because it doesn't really matter. And it, again, they make a game that's not really as good as... Uh, the main line Ratchet and Clank, but at least they try to take the story in a different direction and make it its own thing instead of uh, trying to copy the console games and not quite getting there. So I enjoyed it. It was nice and quick. Uh, I usually get all the skill points in these jacket in these uh, not jacket decks, Ratchet and Clank games, but uh, this one had like a rhythm mini game for a lot of the stages. That was like a DDR type of thing. Only it went on for really long, like it's like ten minutes, and maybe three stages have something similar to it and. The skill points require getting perfects on that, and I'm not doing that. That's not happening. So that game is done. <laughs> then I played uh, I played Rhythm Heaven on the GBA, because I got it, finally. Oh, the and, old uh, Rhythm that... Tengoku for the GBA? Yeah, nice. Rhythm Tengoku, right. Yeah, that's yeah. a good game. And it's, it's really talking good. talking about imports. It's hilarious. That's, it's so much better than D- the DS one. Yeah, I definitely like it better than the DS. Just because pressing a button is, is just the ultimate way of playing a video game. It's like the ultimate input. Yes, no. Yeah, exactly. I know what I'm doing. I press the button. It happens. I really you know, hated like, the DS controls for it. It really just didn't work. I didn't hate it. I I, they, I still liked it. I, I do like Rhythm Heaven on the DS. It's still a good game, but it's sometimes when you mess up, you're like, was that me? Well, yeah, that or was, was my that problem all the, the time. And that's and I played I played the GBA one first, so then I went on to the the DS one, and I'm like, what is with these shitty ass touch controls? Why am I doing this? So at, le- at least the Wii one. I haven't tried the Wii one yet. I did plan on... I was going to go cancel some of my pre-orders at GameStop for Vita stuff. Because uh, Target's doing that buy two, get one free sale. And I was going to transfer some of that money over to the Rhythm Heaven on the uh, Wii. But I'm kind of scared to play that game. Because of input lag. I really don't know how it fares. Get- I haven't heard too much. Go get a Plasma. Be happy. Oh, let me do that. Let me just go get a plasma right now. <laughs> We've been telling you that for a while now. Just go get a plasma TV. Which one, Corey? TVs are so horrible to buy, Corey. TVs are the worst things Panasonic to buy. Panasonic plasma. All time. That's all you need to know. No, what factory was it made in? Like, what model is it? Has it changed from last year's? Like, these things change on a month-by-month basis. They completely alter the television in every way. It sucks. Buying a TV is the worst thing for video games these days. It's so it's so bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. The, the input lag thing is really fucking annoying. But I mean, that would ruin Rhythm Heaven. Absolutely ruin Rhythm Heaven. You know, this game, the GBA grades you on one sixtieth of a second. Yep. Your timing is off by one sixtieth of a second, and you didn't get. And it's easy to play because the rhythms are actually easy to follow. It's one of the best music games I've ever played, actually. Because there's no on-screen indicator. There's no really big thing. You know what I mean? And like all the animations are weird. And you almost can't really use the animations. You just use the music. And the game loves to fuck you up by just putting things in front of the animation. Or making it move around. Or making it really small. Or making it get really active and hectic. 
And if you're using the animations to follow along, you're going to fuck up sometimes. But if you're using the music, you're going to do great. I still think I liked Owen Don better, but I'd say it was close to... Hmm. I love hmm. Owen Don. Owen, Owen Don is That's really close. Good. That is close. Owen Don is an amazing series. It's really good. I hope I hope they I hope they don't have a three on three DS because I won't be able to buy it because they region coded oh, it. Oh god, yeah. That makes me fucking angry. So I hope oh, they god. never make a sequel and I or that I never learn about it because I would get so upset. I would get so upset. But anyway, uh, I also tried to play. Uh, no, I did play. I beat. Uh, I'm, I've been going through these PSP games like crazy. I busted out Guitaru Man Lives, yes! which is just a port of the PS2 game, and I played through it and. That game is hilarious. I-, I wasn't good enough to beat the PS2 one when I the first The Serenade it. stage was so good. I loved but that I stage. Saw, yeah, with the girl. She puts her head on yeah, her shoulder. Yeah, like, oh, that was so good. <laughs> man. And, <laughs> and like, I actually managed to finish it this time, so I was pretty happy. And then I tried Master Mode, and it was like, nope, I'm done with the game. I'm sorry. Way too hard. I can't deal with it. Normally, I would put time. I- I'm trying to just plow through these games these days. I don't, I don't have time to play Master Modes anymore. That's a good idea. And then I actually... I have Prop of the Rapper for the PSP lying around. I must have bought it for like $2 at some point. And I tried to play it. It had lag issues, didn't it? I think it does. You know, I was just about to complain because I, while I love, I loved Parappa when it first came out. And it may have, was it the first like music based video game kind of thing? Well, it, it was not the or first, it? but it was probably the one that made it really popular. Yeah. It was the first I played that was completely music based like that, but it has a really bad on screen indicator. And there's almost no feedback as to whether you're doing well or, or I like, it feels so primitive when I try to play it now. It's like, how am I doing? Like, how do I know if I'm doing well or not? I can't even hear the beat. Like, I don't even know when I should be pushing these buttons. It also had the issue with the whole freestyle mode that was just hammer on buttons randomly and sometimes it'll be good. Well, how does that work? It I mean, it's, it's a computer. It, it's, a, it's a video game system. It it has to grade it based on ones and zeros, yes or no's. So there's a correct way to flee. It's not like the PS2, the PS1 isn't like, shit, that sounded awesome, you know, subjectively. Let me give you a good grade. It's like, you know, 10101, like, was that good? Was that bad? Like, what constitutes bad or good for the system? I could never figure out the freestyle mode. Well, that's your homework assignment. I want you to figure it out. <laughs> Over All the right, week and then you. get back I to can't. us next it's week. It's been years. I've, ne- I've never been able to figure it out. And I tried playing Parappa on the PSP. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get past like the second level. Fucking Mussolini flunked me constantly, and I just got fed up with it, and I stopped playing. So maybe you're right. Maybe it does have timing issues that I'm not used to. But no, I couldn't. I couldn't beat it. I couldn't even get past Mussolini. I... Weren't you just bragging earlier that you are the, you you don't know what it's like to fail at a game? And well, I'm telling you, there's something wrong with this version. When we were talking about reviews. You said, I, I can't even imagine not being good at a game. Oh, yeah. obviously the game is it's broken. It's the lag. It's this. Oh my god! How yeah. typical. And finally, uh, well, you know what? I also played. How the How the fuck do you play so many games in a week? I play zero to one games a week, and everybody else is, is, is got these. I lists don't do anything from... else. I played some Metal Gear Solid Three. Just just turned it on for a few seconds, and I was pretty. I never played Subsistence. I only played the original. So having a free camera blew my fucking mind when I turned this game on. Because And then you can click in the right stick and see the old camera, and it sucks all the balls, ever. It's like you can't see anything. And then you go to the regular camera, and it's so good. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, subsistence was a anyway. really... In my opinion, that was that that's pretty much the best like Metal the, Gear Solid the game. The version it, of 3. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that game is great. Great bosses, great story. Just a really good game. It doesn't... It doesn't go as batshit insane as the other Metal Gear Solid games does. It does a little bit, but not as much, which is kind of nice. 
Let's say, so I just looked at it. I just turned that on and looked. I didn't really put time into it. But what I have been putting time into is my final game that I'll talk about <laughs> oh this week. Jesus Christ. Is Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. I'm starting that which this week. blew my fucking mind. <laughs> if it's that fucking good, I'm going to have to start it this it's, week. You know what? I, I don't want to make anybody – I don't want to make any big – like this game is the best game I've ever played or anything. It's It looks amazing. For It looks better than almost any PSP game I've played. It might be running on the Crisis Core engine or whatever they used to make – because Crisis Core looked amazing too. And it's a, it's a pretty similar game. And like it plays just, I mean, you're running around an open environment. You know, the they're not the heartless in this game. They're called something else that's stupid. But they appear and you start attacking them. Like, it plays just like Kingdom Hearts with all the negatives and the positives that brings. So if, if you play Kingdom Hearts 1 and you were able to get through it, you know the camera sucks. You know the lock-on sucks. You know the combat's not that good. You know what to expect. This is the same thing. They didn't fix anything. They didn't change anything. But it's still surprising that a PSP game can do this. And still be the same as a PS2. I heard game. rumors you essentially have to play through it three times, though, to get the whole story. You play as three different characters, but you visit the same environments. You have different conversations and different things happen. I've only been playing through one. I just read up on this. So I don't know how different the three storylines are, but apparently they do have enough similarities to make it a little annoying. That's slightly obnoxious, but yeah, I, I need to get around to it because I do love my then Kingdom Hearts games. You have like games. the power character. You have like the character that's good at strength, the character that's good at magic, the character that's, I don't know, looks like. Roxas or whoever the fuck he's supposed to be. And these are like, this is like a prequel to Kingdom Hearts. So they're kind of setting up the story that Kingdom Hearts will become. And Kingdom Hearts story, I can't stress this enough, it's like the ultimate expression of everything I hate about bad JRPG stories. But you know, like, 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 the, like, I hate the power of love. I hate the power of a person's heart and the love in your heart and all of that. And this is like the ultimate story based upon even the planets have hearts in this fucking story you know like this is the darkness in your heart and this is what it's all about and i can't i can't it's incredibly dumb yet for some reason the games are really good that's why i've never played a kingdom hearts you know what if you show me a video of like sora standing there at the end of kingdom hearts one at the door of kingdom hearts and carrie flying away on that chunk of land going back to her regular world and you play simple and clean i'm tearing up right now as i'm talking about it if you play Simple and Clean and you show me that scene, I will cry. Good. Maybe you'll short out your microphone so we can end this podcast. Nice. Anyway, I'm done. I'll talk about Birth by Sleep later. I think it's we just, crossed the... Let's uh... just say I was fucking blown away. Square just is sucking every dick possible to make the PSP games as good as possible. I don't understand how they do it, but their PSP games are like a notch above everyone else's PSP games. And I don't know how, but they are. Maybe just money, I guess. Just throwing money at it. That'll do it. Yes. And that will do it. Thanks, uh, Jonathan and Corey, for joining us. We will have Chris Scannelberry back next week to talk about whatever we'll be talking about. And thanks to Eric and Mizzo. And uh, I think we're going to do a quick exit. I just want to remind you that you can find us at the next level. And we'll put it on pause for now. Thanks. 